Blog Talk Radio. And thank you for joining us here on King Jordan Radio. This is King Jordan you're listening to. It is May 20th, 2014. Tonight on King Jordan Wrestling Radio, we will talk about WWE Payback, 
Raw, uh, a little history, how the WWF became the, how the WWE became the WWF, or vice versa. Here to join us is our co-host of the wrestling show. He hails out of Chicago, and uh, he is the uh, co-host with the most. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, uh, please welcome the one and only, keep getting pop-up ads here, the one and only, uh, excuse me, let me try that again. Please welcome the one and only, Double J, JJ. Good evening, JJ, and welcome to King Jordan Radio. How are you? Hey, King, great to be on. Like you said, so much to talk about. Also, today marks the three-year anniversary of the passing of the macho man Randy Savage. Three years ago, I believe it was 2011, May uh, 20th, that uh, Savage passed away. So hard to believe it's been three years. Wow. Wow. Okay. We'll get into that, and we'll also get into uh, how the WWE became the WWE instead of WWF. Okay, I see a lot of private numbers. Uh, Let me try a line two. When I say it, uh, just say, uh, you know, just say your name and represent yourself. Uh, I'm going to try this random number. Who do we got? Line number two. Say hello. Jordan, it's Dominic. What's up? Dominic Valente from the Wrestling Hot Seat at 212-629-1900. Good evening, Dominic. How are you? What's up, King? How you doing? JJ, how you doing, bro? Going good, man. Good. Okay, let's see if we have Mr. Brown around. Line number four, Blackjack, are you with us? Okay, maybe he's still eating that Chinese food. From last week, but in any event, let's try him. Line eight, is that you, Blackjack? Brown is around. Brother JJ, King, Dominic, how are you, my brother? What's up, Blackjack? How are you, bro? Doing good. Brother Blackjack, what's up, man? What I'd like to start off the show with is uh, what Dominic has been doing for many years on his hotline with the uh, celeb birthdays and the wrestlers' birthdays. I figured maybe we'd do it on the show to add some spice. So if you have it in front of you, Dominic, uh, you let's see what I got for today. Um, Tuesday. To the today. So All right. Tuesday. Today's birthdays is the giant Paul Loria, who was part of Mikey Whipwreck's group back in Long Island back in the day. Former ring announcer Bob Garcia. Um, Maniaco from AAA in Mexico. Lachona. One of the lady wrestlers from Mexico, Wildfire KC James, um, and the Road Dog. Oh. And the day in history was from 1977. Mondo Guerrero won over gorgeous Keith Franks in Los Angeles, California to win the America's title. And of course, we know gorgeous Keith Franks as none other than Adrian Adonis. Oh, okay. Adrian Adonis then passed away in, uh, what, after WrestleMania 3 shortly after that, something like that? After he fought Piper? I know he's gone quite a while. I don't know how many years. He died young, right? Oh, yeah, yeah. Didn't they all? So we lost J.J. Macho Man 
uh, in 2011, right? Yeah. In man. a freak accident, like the Ultimate Warriors. Yeah, it was the same idea. Uh, yeah, he was just driving, you know, no one really expected it to happen. It was a huge surprise and a shock, you know, he didn't really, he wasn't really in bad health. Uh, if you talk to a lot of his friends, close personal friends, stuff he was doing, you know, he was making his appearances and so he wasn't wrestling, he was retired. But I mean, for the most part, I mean, it was, I mean he was, you know, just himself. I mean, it was a huge shock to the, the wrestling world when, when he passed away and he had that heart attack and he crashed this car. It was just uh, very sad. And, you know, ever since then, you know, the fans have been trying to pull online and try to get him, you know, inducted into the WWE Hall of Fame. Uh, as Blackjack said, it could happen very well next year. You know, we'll see. And, uh, Dominic, what did you think when you first heard the news? Yeah, I was shocked because I know he was he was still very active doing things. And I, I think they brought him into TNA even briefly and, Mm-hmm. I said, all right, yeah. it's good to see Macho Man, even though his hair and his beard is all white. It's still Macho Man. And still him. when I heard he passed, I was shocked. I said, he can't be. You know, it's, it's like you just see the guy, and the next minute he's gone. Yeah. Total sad. What about you, Blackjack? Yeah, I was you met with totally, totally shocked. I, I knew Macho Man pretty well, and uh, uh, it was definitely uh, a shocker. Just as uh, the warrior and uh, uh, viscera and people of, of that nature and stuff like that, and a lot of them are dying young, so it's it's a shock. Well, they put Macho their Man and Warriors you know. were the headliners. That's really sad. Not that viscera isn't just as sad, but Hogan, Warrior, Piper. They all made evented, uh, Sid Savage, they all made evented shows. So, that that's terrible. Uh, so young, gone too soon. In any event, um, JJ, why don't you tell us about uh, Raw, what went down, what you liked, and what you didn't like. Well, Raw was taped in advance. They are in London, which is always a very, you know, sort of wild crowd lately in the past few years. And, uh, you know, they taped Raw in advance yesterday, and, of course, they kicked off the show with the Wyatts. And it was kind of interesting, you know, so many years we've seen The Undertaker, you know, in the ring with the lights out, and so many fans are holding up their lighters. And in this day and age, we see, you know, the Wyatts in the ring with the lights out, and so many people are holding up their cell phones. So you basically just see like a sea of lights, you know, in the in the arena, which is kind of it's kind of cool. But then it gets, just goes to show you how much the wrestling audience has changed over the years. And of course, you know, John Cena came in, interrupted, and they had this kind of little brawl. And you know, they're getting ready for payback. Later, we would see uh, Paul Heyman accompanied with Antonio Cesaro, and you know, you know, Cesaro had a matchup with Sheamus. I believe it was a non-title match. And Sheamus, uh, you know, he had a nice physical match with Cesaro. Uh, these two guys, these two Europeans, were definitely uh, favorites over in London. And, uh, the, you know, Cesaro had a nice German suplex. It looks like a, a deadlift because, you know, Sheamus didn't really go with it very smoothly. Cesaro just scooped him up and slammed him behind him, getting the pinfall. So I don't know if that makes Cesaro the number one contender to Sheamus' uh, newly United States title. 
They haven't announced the match at Payback yet, but I'm, I'm assuming this is where they're going, and we're going to see Cesaro and Sheamus at Payback. Uh, we would also see them continue trying to make the Intercontinental Championship uh, special. Last month they had that tournament to uh, establish uh, a number one contender against Biggie Langston. This month they're doing a big uh, clock challenge to establish a new number one contender for Wade Barrett for Payback. And we would see Biggie Langston taking on Ryback. And Biggie defeated Ryback in about five minutes. We would again see Alberto Del Rio versus Rob Van Dam. Rob Van Dam would get the roll up and to set the new time standard at four minutes and 15 seconds. Just short of 420, but uh, I digress. Later we would see Mark Henry and Dolph <laughs> Ziggler in a beat-the-clock match. But unfortunately for Dolph Ziggler, who I was really rooting for, as much as I love uh, Rob Van Dam, with the pay-per-view being in Chicago, I know how much Chicago loves Dolph Ziggler. And I really thought Dolph might pick up the upset and get the win and head to payback, which he has a very strong uh, group uh, following in Chicago. But that was not the case. Dolph Ziggler ran out of time and he did not beat the clock. So Rob Van Dam is the number one contender to Wade Barrett's uh, Intercontinental Championship. He will face him at payback in Chicago. It should be a very interesting and physical match. You know, Rob Van Dam is timeless. He still moves as if it's, you know, 2000. He still does his old tricks, and he looks just as good as ever, despite it's, you know, almost, what, 15 years later. It's it's pretty remarkable. But, uh, again, we would see later uh, Seth Rollins taking on Batista. And I really thought this should have been the main event because uh, chances are we knew that John Cena would be main eventing against uh, Luke Harper, and which would be, you know, a decent match. But is that the match you want to close the show with? Uh, right now this feud between the Shield and Evolution is really hot. You know, the guys in Shield are really deli- uh, delivering the goods. And they had this match set up where it would just be a one-on-one match Seth Rollins versus Batista, no interference from S.H.I.E.L.D., no interference from Evolution, and that it would only have the uh, elected officials be ringside, you know, referees, timekeepers, announcers, that's it. There would be no shenanigans. However, Triple H would come out and say that he was the special ring announcer for the match and that Randy Orton was the special timekeeper for the match so in that way they didn't exactly you know break any rules because they specifically said before the match that only the elected officials would be ringside so triple h of course trying to pull favor for batista and evolution was ringside but that wouldn't stay for long because the shield would eventually come down to the ring and they said that gm the raw general manager brad maddox who was in the trainer's room apparently just announced that the Shield would be the guest announcers. And Dean Ambrose is always hilarious. You give him a microphone and he'll just talk nonstop. He's always very entertaining. He's very quick. Uh, you know, he's got a great sense of, you know, when he's, you know, speaking, again, we're battling with, you know, Lawler and JBL and Michael Cole. He's, you know, pretty good. The fans always seem to enjoy when he's on the announcing. So the Shield would be watching Evolution very closely during this match. Seth Rollins, again, the guy's just, you know, a lot of fun to watch. Batista, you know, did, you know, played up his strength and, again, was very physical, hit Seth with his spine busters and things like that. 
But eventually, this would just turn into an all-out brawl, and you know, Evolution and Shield would all just come head to head and just battle each other until the Shield would clear the ring and be standing tall once again. And as I mentioned, we will be seeing Shield and Evolution at payback, and they what I'm very excited for because yes, they did face each other at Extreme Rules, but at payback, they're going to be having a no holds barred match, an elimination style match, and I love elimination style matches is something we used to see you know in ECW when you had you know a three-way dance or a four-way dance you had that elimination style and I don't know what about the elimination style I like so much but you really see really great wrestling and you you know always have these kind of you know these numbers games where it could be a potential three-on-one situation so I'm very curious to see how that plays out Shield, like I said, getting the win at Extreme Rules. They're going, you know, one and up with Evolution. So Evolution desperately needs this win at payback. But right now, Shield is hot as ever. Uh, WWE is continuing to push the new Divas Champion page. She was in her hometown uh, in the U.K. But, however, it seems that they're also sort of establishing Alicia Fox. Alicia Fox has been with the company for six years, if you can believe that. She's been with the company since, I believe, 2008. She's already been wow. a Divas champion. She hasn't really made a lot of noise in the Divas division. I mean, if you compare someone like Trish and Lita, who were probably in the WWE for less than that, probably less than, uh, you know, what, eight, six years, and yet they're in the Hall of Fame, and you take someone like Alicia Fox, who really hasn't made that much of a dent, but the last two weeks or so, they've been trying to give her more airtime. She's been losing matches and throwing fits. She literally, you know, she stole JBL's hat and she slapped some officials ringside, maybe Justin Roberts, and they seem to be giving her a little bit more freedom to express herself. And for the first time in a while, I'm kind of curious, where do they go with this? What are they doing with Alicia Fox? Where is this going to go? So for the first time in a while, at least to me, I'm actually excited to see what Alicia Fox does, and that's something that hasn't been the case for the last six years. So there's that. Like I said, the main event, uh, actually before I get into the main event, Adam Rose, the guy from NXT, he came out, he was uh, interviewed by, I don't know, somebody, and, you know, of course that Coulter came out and, uh, you know, Jack Swagger came out, and they're, they're developing this feud between Adam Rose and the Real American uh, Jack Swagger with Zeb Coulter, and Zeb Coulter, who pretty much hates anyone foreign. He's he hates Cesaro because Cesaro turned on him. He hates you know Sheamus. He hates all these people who aren't from the United States because that's you know his character. But uh, again, Adam Rose in the UK was so over. The fans really kind of get his character. If you're familiar with NXT, you know Adam Rose has these groupies. They calls them the Exotic Express, and they're all dressed up in all these goofy outfits and characters. You'll see someone in a bunny costume, someone dressed up as a hamburger, somebody dressed up as a lady Captain America, and all these just silly outfits. They go out there, they have a good time. The fans sing along to his, his uh, theme song, and the fans at the U.K. really got it. They were having fun. They were singing along with him. And then, of course, Swagger attacked him. And you had this kind of physical brawl, but eventually Adam Rose would clear the ring with his, you know, posse, and, you know, they were all kind of celebrating, dance around. So I'm assuming Adam Rose will be facing Jack Swagger at payback. Again, it hasn't been announced yet, but it definitely seems that they're leading towards that right now. And uh, like I said, the main event was John Cena taking on Luke Harper. 
and the Usos would be in John Cena's corner, and the Wyatts would be in, of course, obviously, uh, Luke Harper's corner. And, you know, Luke Harper continues to amaze me. A guy that size, and he's doing things like cruiserweights. You know, he's flying around doing drop kicks and doing suicide dives. He's doing things that you expect maybe Rey Mysterio or Daniel Bryan to be doing. So Luke Harper, very impressive. Had a nice match with Cena. Cena wins by disqualification because, of course, you know, uh, Luke Harper's partner, Eric Rowan, would attack Cena. And then next thing you know, the Usos and everyone is getting into this big brawl. But it would eventually lead to Bray Wyatt doing his finishing maneuver, Sister Abigail, to Cena, not once but twice, and even on the, uh, the stage, on the steel. And, of course, Cena was, you know, laid out, and Bray Wyatt was singing his now infamous song. He's got the whole world in his hands, and, of course, the U.K. crowd was really embracing that. However, one thing that they didn't quite address at Raw yesterday was the state of the WWE World Championship. Stephanie McMahon did come out, and she asked that Daniel Bryan, not that they would strip him of the title, but Stephanie wants Daniel Bryan, who's just recovering from a neck surgery last week. I mean, obviously he can't defend the title. He can't wrestle right now. I mean, it wasn't a major surgery, as, you know, we discussed before, as uh, Dominic discussed, you know, when you think of guys who had, you know, serious neck injuries like Austin and Edge and Lita and, you know, Angle and Benoit and Rhino. So many guys had neck injuries that took them out for over a year. But, uh, you know, Daniel Bryan's neck surgery wasn't as severe, but, again, a precaution. They had to keep him out of the ring and keep him healthy. And we don't know the timetable of his return we're hoping, I mean, you know, could he return at payback in two weeks? I mean, I don't know. That's that's cutting it pretty close. But at the same time, if he can't come back at payback or even afterwards, you have to strip him of the title. So Stephanie said that next week on Raw, we want Daniel Bryan to be it, come to the ring and to relinquish the WWE World Championship. They don't want to strip him of the title because, of course, then the fans would boo Stephanie. They would boo the authority. They oh, they're taking the title off of him. They want Daniel Bryan in the ring and giving championship. So we'll see if that happens next week on Raw. Dominic, what was your take on Monday Night Raw last night? Well, I read the spoilers. I wasn't so enthused about the show because I figured they do the same. They're doing the same thing every week. Same thing with John Cena at the end, where the, where the uh, the Wyatts and uh, the Usos all got involved in it. Um, uh, Luke Harper was amazing. I don't know where the hell he's getting all these high flying things from, yeah. but he's unbelievable. He's doing stuff that a lot of the smaller guys do, like JJ said. He's flying through the top in the middle rope, and he's just very agile for a big guy. He was he was amazing. I was amazed by him. The Adam Rose thing is the most stupidest thing. Since TNA is doing the menagerie, one is more stupid than the other. <laughs> Jack Swagger really is a wrestler's wrestler. Yeah. Even though he's not built up like that, but he he can go. I think he should slap the shit out of Adam Rose and say, "Go back to NXT. Come here with a regular with a normal gimmick instead of something stupid." And Jack Swagger. I don't know. I don't want him to lose. I don't want him to lose this to somebody with a stupid gimmick. Because if it's the gimmick that puts the guy over and not his ability, 
then it's just a total waste. Jack Swagger's got a ton of ability. I'd like to see him beat him, um, Adam Rose. That probably will be a match for uh, for the pay-per-view. As far as Daniel Bryan, yeah, they want him to relinquish the belt. I get it with the 30-day no-compete clause. But Dean Ambrose had whatever belt he had, and he was involved in all tag matches, and he hardly ever even defended that belt, and they didn't take it away. Yeah. Wow. Wow. And Blackjack, what was your take on Monday Night Raw? I mean, I agree with Dominic and JJ. I mean, uh, I say the same exact thing. I mean, what can he really say about it, you know? No question. We got breaking news, uh, JJ. Vince McMahon out $350 million. You want to take that story? Oh, my God. I was shocked. I heard the news. I don't know if it was this past weekend or, or what have you, but, of course, you know, the WWE, there's been a lot going on with the corporate side of WWE. Uh, you know, they just sort of wanted to renew their television deal with NBC, and there was a lot of talk that they didn't quite get what they wanted. Vince even uh, spoke publicly that he was disappointed with the deal. They were hoping to at least double or triple what they had before, and instead they just kind of got something that was, you know, eh, you know, disappointing, as I said. So you take that, you factor in that, plus Netflix, I believe, just increased uh, their 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 uh, their uh, whatever their prices for their, their online uh, network with you know movies and TV shows and now new subscribers will have to pay a dollar extra so instead of 9.99 it's 10.99 it's a dollar extra for new uh, subscribers so now there's a lot of talk about what will happen with these WWE network will the WWE network you know increase by a dollar will they even be more so there's a lot of things going on with the network and you know obviously the network affect the TV deal because you know, why would you watch it on, you know, TV when you can watch it on the network? And there's a lot of things that people aren't really sure about. So you factor in all this, and then this weekend it was announced that Vince McMahon lost a third of his fortune. I mean, I don't know how you go from being a billionaire one week and then literally in just, you know, a day or so, you lose, how do you lose 300 in nearly, what, 40 or 50 million dollars that I could not believe that. I was stunned and I'm sure that everyone in the WWE was was just shocked by it I mean it was just unbelievable news I, I just you know I don't even know how to describe that and what the WWE hopes to do afterwards now you're you're worried about the stockholders and now you're worried about the television deal you're worried about the WWE network there's a lot of things going on behind the scenes that I think a lot of people might even be panicking a little bit but hopefully in time the WWE Network pays off, and hopefully in time, you know, the stock goes back up. But what a shock. I mean, oh, 340 or $350 million he lost just over this past weekend in the stock with the WWE. It was just unbelievable. Yeah, and the, uh, from what I heard, they expected much more uh, buyers to the WWE Network. They only got half of what they expected. And, like, people that are not with the computer age didn't take up that, you know. So that yeah, was a I mean, big... 
big yeah, issue. Network, I think their goal was to get, you know, a million, um, you know, subscribers or so, and I don't think they quite hit that. They might have, I don't know if it was announced, they're going to announce the subscribers every quarter. And I'm not sure if the subscribers last time was maybe about 670,000, so not quite close to a million. Again, it's only been released in the United States. It hasn't been released in Canada. It hasn't been released in Australia and all those other places. So, again, that makes up a huge difference. But at the same time, I think they are working out the kinks. And, of course, there's, you know, certain TV rights that they have to, you know, get with, you know, foreign countries and what they can show, what they can't show, and, you know, things like that. So there's a lot that they're still working out. But at the same time, they are a little bit disappointed. They were hoping for a larger number. Of course, Vince released it. This year, as I mentioned, they probably could have waited till next year, and they probably would have did a lot better with their television deals. When there was no WWE Network, you know, you, you know you're going to watch WWE on Raw and USA and on, you know, Sci-Fi and Ion Television with main event and SmackDown. But, uh, you know, WWE Network really kind of changed things. But at the same time, they really didn't have a choice. With WrestleMania 30, the big anniversary, you really wanted to launch the network this year and hope that a lot of people would be uh, among that sort of bandwagon, hopping on the WWE train as you know they're promoting WrestleMania 30 very heavily. They want to promote the network as well. So, I mean, it was really a double-edged sword, and you know they thought it was the best decision. And you know, only time will tell if it pays off. But right now, it, it doesn't look like it is. So, it's a very rough time for WWE right now. Uh, no question. Let's go back in history uh, a month to about 14 years ago, uh, how, why the WWF became the WWE. Let's listen to this clip. We'll talk about it on the other side. Twelve years ago this week, on May 5th, 2002, the World Wrestling Federation officially got the F out and became World Wrestling Entertainment. I know a dark day for many of you guys. So here's what happened, because I still get questions about this to this day. So let's just lay lay the whole story out here about how we got to this point. The World Wildlife Fund predated the World Wrestling Federation, okay? The Wildlife Fund was founded in 1961. In 1963, Vince Sr. and Toots Mont split from the NWA, and they created the Worldwide Wrestling Federation. That was the full name of the promotion until 1979 when they shortened it, okay? It was the WWWF. So in 79, they shortened the name. Now it's just WWF. I'm a little fuzzy on what happened in the years that followed because the two groups, they, they coexisted with the same initials under, uh, until 1994 when they reached an agreement on how Vince McMahon would use the WWF initials. Why it took until 1994, I'm not sure. My guess would be that the Panda people had already filed a lawsuit against them over the name many years earlier, or maybe they threatened to, but that's just a guess. Anyway, they reached an understanding that Titan Sports would stop using the WWF initials and do everything in their power not to even speak the initials, don't, don't even verbally say the initials on TV. Okay, I guess they were, they were okay with them verbally saying World Wrestling Federation and spelling it out because then there could be no confusion in the marketplace about what they were talking about. Uh, I, I, I don't know. I guess they were worried if Vince McMahon went on TV and said WWF, you know, people would be confused and they would think they were watching, uh, you know, whales and walruses fucking or something. I don't know. So in exchange, the wildlife folks agreed not to sue them or make them change their logo. Well, obviously, Vince kept saying WWF on television for many more years. 
and completely ignored the agreement. So fast forward until 2000, Panda people said, enough's enough. They filed suit against WWF in a UK court claiming that it's unfair trade practices. They alleged that they violated their earlier agreement. In August of 2001, the court ruled in favor of the wildlife people, and WWF filed an appeal in October of that year, okay, because they weren't happy with that, with that ruling. I believe the appeal was still pending in May of 2002 when WWF decided to just drop the appeal and go through with changing its name. Very quietly, overnight, they changed the website from WWF.com to WWE.com. All references were changed. Clearly, they had decided sometime earlier to give up the good fight and just make the change. Uh, my understanding has always been that the U.K. court ruling would have only applied to international use of the initials. So, in other words, WWF, they, they could have continued to market themselves as the World Wrestling Federation here in the States, but elsewhere in the world, they couldn't. And obviously, you know, that would be very confusing to call yourself one name here and another name somewhere else. So they just said, the hell with it, let's just change the whole name. Uh, that didn't end things between the two sides. Panda people tried to get hundreds of millions of dollars in damages, but that got shot down. I think WWE claimed the, the wildlife folks were trying to extort them out of money, which you know may be true, but it seems pretty clear the wildlife fund had the WWF initials first and that Titan violated the agreement, so they're kind of right. <laughs> uh, I'm guessing WWE paid them a whole bunch of money in the last year or two with the new network launching because now... They can air the old Scratch logo from the Attitude Era and uh, verbal WWF references on the network without blurring them or muting them. They couldn't do that before. All those DVDs with the blurs and the muting, it was terrible. Thankfully, now they don't have to do that, although I'm still very confused about some things like what's allowed and what's not allowed because, you know, Legends House started airing on the network a few weeks ago. And that first, I think the first two episodes of Legends House, Jimmy Hart, was wearing some kind of WWE shirt that had, I think, the old Scratch logo on it or maybe the old uh, box letter logo on it, which at one time was fine. That box letter logo from the mid-'90s, New Generation era was fine. Now all of a sudden I think they blur it, and I'm not sure why. I don't know if that's a case where Legends House was filmed two years ago before WWE reached, let's say, whatever agreement they reached with the Panda people saying, listen, we're launching a network how much money do you want, we'll pay you, and please let us use this without having to blur it. It's possible they taped this show before they reach an agreement with the Wildlife Fund, uh, or maybe they're just, there's still certain logos they're not allowed to use. I'm just not sure. Uh, but that hopefully gives you a better sense of exactly what went down between the two sides. Okay, I want to go to J.J. first on this. Uh, J.J., after all these years, what's your thought? Well, you know, it, it goes back. A lot of fans today are unhappy. They don't like WWE. They want to say WWF. But, I mean, really, the fans that love the WWF is just because that's what they, you know, grew up watching. That's what they remember. If you want to go further back, you should be upset that they should be calling themselves the World Wide Wrestling Federation because that's what it was before. You know, when Bruno San Martino won the WWE Championship, he didn't win the WWE Championship, he didn't win the WWF Championship, he won the WWWF Championship in 1963. So, I mean, there's a lot of fans are upset, that's just the what you know, the way it is, is, again, the legal battles, again, with the whole stock market, you know, if you bought stock in the WWE in 1999, were you buying, you know, the WWF, the wrestling, or the WWF, 
uh, you know, World Wildlife Fund. So eventually, I believe it was about, I don't know if it was 99 or 2000, as they pointed out, they actually had to call it World Wrestling Federation Entertainment. So if you bought stock in the WWE, you bought stock in the WWFE. But eventually, like I said, with everything that went down, they got into this whole, you know, lawsuit and all these legal battles, and it's just, it's just not worth it. They could just make the change to entertainment as the direction they were going in. For so many years, they were pushing it as sports entertainment anyway. So now they just dropped the F. They got the F out. They even made T-shirts and slogans, you know, get the F out. And it's been the WWE ever since. But, uh, again, it's all just, you know, legal battles and things, of, you know, that nature. And while a lot of fans don't like that it's WWE today, it's, it's just, just got to accept it. you got to move on. If you want to originally – you know, talk about it, and you got to be upset and call it the, like I said, the WWWF, because that's what it was originally. But nobody does that. They move on. They're happy with WWF because that's what they remember when wrestling was great, you know, in the 80s and the 90s, the Attitude Era, WWF, and, you know, people remember that. I mean, you had how many people watching? Uh, they got the highest rating on Monday Night Raw with the whole Rock and Sock with Mick Foley and The Rock had nearly a, an eight-point-something, which was unheard of in wrestling, and it was the WWF. So there's a large number of people who know it as WWF. But, you know, eventually you got to move on. It's the WWE today. So even I try to acknowledge it. Even if I'm talking about the past, I acknowledge it as WWE because that's what it is today. It wasn't that then, but, again, you just got to move on and accept it. You know, it kind of sucked because, you know, we lost to a bunch of pandas. You know, I mean, it, it feels ridiculous, but, you know, at the same time, you know, it is what it is, and you just got to accept it and move on. Show to you, Derek. Well, sometimes I call it WWE. Sometimes I call it WWF. Um, I don't like the word entertainment because sometimes we're not being entertained, I would have went back to the original name, WWWF. There was nothing wrong with that. I would have went back to the Worldwide Wrestling Federation and kept it that way. Go ahead, Mike. What? Do you remember Worldwide Wrestling Federation? Yep. They should have just left it the way it was, shot dropping the uh, the W's, and they took out the two W's, and W-E and W-F, and that thing just made no sense. Or that Tim letters they should have left it the way it was, as classic wrestling as we go back, Dominic. But yep. that's, that's what I, I, I believe. And McMahon don't even like the word wrestling, yet it's World Wrestling Entertainment. Yeah, you never hear they, had to, go, the word they wrestling. had to go towards that era with uh, entertainment and drop in there with the E now, you know. Eh, it, it's a whole uh, different uh, entity altogether, you know what I'm saying? And yep. It's, it just isn't it the is, same, uh, we got to deal with it the way it is, I guess. But the three letters are important because all the major sports have three letters, NBA, uh, MLB, NFL. This is where the wrestling uh, stands out. So what? WWE or WWF, you know. uh, Absolutely. Okay, uh, Mick Foley had some strong comments 
in regards to the booking of Daniel Bryan. Let's take a listen and talk on the other side. Mick Foley. I want to start with Mick Foley here because he posted a blog. Mick Foley has been very vocal lately. He's been very uh, vocal against WWE. I didn't sign a new deal with them because my video game royalties were not what they should be. And, you know, he's been ragging on the Bryan stuff for a while, you know, back after the Royal Rumble. Him and his whole family exploded on social media bashing WWE. And Anyway, Foley posted something on his Facebook page that said, uh, be careful, be very careful. It was a warning to Daniel Bryan. I want to read some of this to you. He said, whether Daniel Bryan knows it or not, now is the time that the fiercest fighting takes place for a WWE champion. And it has nothing to do with the action in the ring. Now is the time to step up and shoot down horrible ideas that can derail even the most promising of careers. I used to joke that Daniel was the exception to the rule that every top guy in WWE had been perceived at one time or another as a pain in the neck, largely for their willingness to step up and call the creative team out on bad ideas when they see them. That thing I saw tonight, that thing with Daniel Bryan and Brie Bella, and the car, that was a bad idea, one that never should have seen the light of day. I have said on several occasions that I used up my ammo when it came to complaining about WWE storylines when I went to bat for the Yes movement in the aftermath of the Royal Rumble, I'm going to do my very best to do just that, but I'll first ask everybody involved, Daniel Bree, Hunter, Steph, Vince, etc., to take a good look at the nearly identical storyline that ran Zack Ryder's promising career off the rails and do everything they can to avoid that same horrible stretch of track. So that's from Mick Foley, who clearly was not a fan of that storyline on Monday night. I want to play some audio for you here from one of our listeners. Normally I would do this during the mailbag segment, but since this is relevant to the storyline here, I don't want to get into it again later on. I want to get it all out now. Uh, Cole from Philadelphia sent in an audio question that has to do with the, the Daniel Bryan Kane nonsense. So I want to play some quick audio of his question here, and then we'll get into it. So 10 years ago at a house show in El Paso, Texas, JBL interrupts an early Mother's Day celebration that then-WWE champion Eddie Guerrero was enjoying with his wife, kids, and mother, in which he promptly got his family to safety, but as soon as he turned around, he was nailed with a clothesline by JBL. My point is, Eddie didn't run away, so why is it that the current WWE champion, Daniel Bryan, ran away like a coward from Kane this past Monday, and on top of all that, he let Stephanie McMahon, his enemy for the past nine months, protect him and his wife Bree from Kane? The saddest part of all this is that Daniel Bryan's parody, <laughs> Eric Young, is being booked better as a world champion than Bryan is. I wanted to play that audio from Cole because I thought he made a very good point there on the Eddie JBL stuff. I almost forgot about that whole angle, but they did that, that thing. They actually taped that at a house show, and they showed footage on TV. They should do more of that, where they were celebrating Mother's Day. Like he said, Eddie's family was there. JBL came out. Now, granted, JBL is not a demon. Another fucking pet peeve I'll get to in a second, like Kane is. But still, JBL is this, this evil heel, right, this, this villain. And he comes out, and I... I remember he was trash-talking them, and, you know, one thing led to another. It got physical, and Eddie's mom, they did this whole heart attack angle. And, you know, but Eddie got his family to safety first before he turned around and walked into a, a clothesline from hell. Eddie didn't run away with his family. He said, here, you go here, and I'm going to take care of this. Now, he got his ass kicked, but still. So what makes that different from this? Other than the fact that, again, in storyline, Kane is supposed to be this monster demon character, okay? I could only suspend my disbelief so much. We, we, with Kane, 
you know what you're getting, okay? You're getting the supernatural stuff and the fire from the posts and all that kind of stuff, okay? I, I, I understand that. But I'm pretty much in agreement with everybody else on this angle, which is that this angle sucked. This was terrible television. Uh, I got a, a text message I posted on my Twitter from a friend of mine who is a, a casual fan at best. Used to be really big time into it, especially during the Monday Night Wars. Not so much now, but he... He's, over the last six months or so, he has started getting back into it way more than I thought he would, to the point where we can actually now have conversations that go on for some time just about wrestling, not just about other, other stuff. And, and that's kind of cool. And one of the things that have brought him and his girlfriend, his girlfriend, his wife now, uh, back into the wrestling fold, so to speak, has been Total Divas. She is a big fan of Total Divas. She got him to start watching Total Divas. And so through that show, they've become big fans of John Cena big fans of Daniel Bryan, and big fans of the Bella Twins. So that was, that was really what got them back involved, and now they watch the shows, and they have their, their favorites also. Now they're, you know, they're, they're uh, you know, big time into the Usos, and they're big time into some of the other guys. Fandango, again, I think it has all, everything to do with the show. I take it that Fandango and the Usos are on, on Total Divas. I don't watch it, so I don't know. But the point is, I got a text message from him after Raw ended, last Monday, ranting, two full text messages ranting about how god-awful this angle was. And this is coming from the perspective of a casual fan, not, not you know, guys like you and me who pick this shit apart every single week. And it's to the point with him now where I get the impression that he may be kind of falling back out of it because one of the things he liked about WWE was Daniel Bryan, his ascent to the top, winning the championship. And, and Bryan, to him, kind of represents what a real wrestler should be like. You know, he goes in there, he has great matches, he kicks ass. You know, he's a small guy, but still. And he watched this and said, this is complete, goofy, phony, horror movie bullshit. It wasn't even, it wasn't believable, it wasn't funny, it wasn't dramatic, it was sad, it was pathetic. And on top of all that, he's the champion. And he's running away, and his girlfriend is a terrible actress, which we already knew. We knew Brie was a terrible actress if you go back to when Brian was feuding with Randy Orton. And remember that one Raw where Orton was beating the crap out of Brian at ringside and Brie ran down? And, and she was terrible. She's awful. She needs acting lessons. Either that or just keep her off TV. She's terrible. Uh, sweet girl, but just terrible actress. But he, he was just appalled by the whole thing. And I can't say that I blame him. Because you have a guy here who needs all the help in the world, right? He doesn't have any strong opponents right now, to the point where he has to now wrestle Kane twice on back-to-back pay-per-views. He won the first match. He'll win the next match, I'm sure. So he's winning, which is good. He's winning. They're not beating him down like they did Rey Mysterio when Rey Mysterio had the world title and he lost every fucking match he was in. Okay, he lost to Kali. He lost to everybody. Chris Saban in TNA, another example. Horrible champion. Brian has not been booked like those guys. Let's not exaggerate. But he comes out on television, and the whole story on this show is him and Brie are backstage, and weird things are happening. Stephanie comes in. She's banging on the door with her man hands. That was the other theme of the show. Every time Stephanie popped up, she was banging on a door. She was banging on a car window. She's like, oh, my God, I didn't realize I, I was striking it so hard. You know, my hands, I just have a heavy hand. She's got man hands, like Seinfeld. Anyway, so... 
Stephanie comes in, oh, you know, you guys, I'm going to call a car so you guys can get out of here. The demon cane, you don't know where he is, you don't know what he's going to do. The demon cane this and the demon cane that. The fucking guy was dressed like an office manager for the past six months. All of a sudden, he's a fucking demon. You know, and it's one thing to call him the demon cane once or twice. When you call him the demon cane every five fucking minutes, Every fucking time she mentions his name, it's the Demon Kane. They go back to commentary. Michael Cole, the Demon Kane. JBO, the Demon Kane, Maggle. Jerry Lawler, the Demon Kane. Enough with the Demon Kane bullshit, okay? I get, the, I get it. I get it. He's a demon. He's a bad dude. I don't need you to call him the fucking demon every five seconds, please. But, you know, Stephanie has been mortal enemies with this guy for like eight or nine months now. But all of a sudden she's so concerned, and she's been doing this shtick for a while, this, this fake concern that she has for Brian and Bree, but she says, I'm going to call a car for you, and they go, like a bunch of lemmings, they go to the car, now we have a camera in the car, car won't start, Brian gets out, actually, I have to go back here, because Stephanie comes banging on the car, oh, you got a match, so now he has to go wrestle Del Jabo, Alberto Del Jabo out in the ring, he beats him, but eventually we go back to the parking garage, now they're in the car, car won't start. Brian gets out, he checks, uh, I think somebody called it the trunk, I don't know if it was Brian, or, or somebody called it the trunk, I don't know who it was, I guess the trunk is new slang for the hood, so he picks the hood up, he looks, well, it looks like there's a wire that's missing here, or like a wire that's disconnected, a horrible mechanic Daniel Bryan would be, he puts the hood down, Kane's in the back seat, and that's when the screaming started, Brie Bella starts screaming in terror. Or, or something, maybe pain, I don't know, this was horrible, horrible, I came this close to muting the television, like, r literally muting the television, I couldn't, I couldn't stand it anymore, she just wouldn't shut up, like, they start, Brian and Kane now start fighting, you would think, okay, she can get out of the car now, go off to the side, and kind of keep her mouth shut, nope, she just kept screaming, and screaming, and screaming, and screaming, I wanted so badly for Stephanie to come out, and just slap her across the face, and say, shut up, <laughs> This coming from the woman who can't stop saying Demon Kane. Even she's like, enough. But no, she never did. Brie kept screaming. I mean, I hope she doesn't scream like that when they're together in bed. I mean, not even Viagra would be able to help me if that were the case. That scream, that, that, that blood-curdling scream, it's just the most unsexiest thing I've ever heard in my life. It sounds like a freaking animal is suffering. It's, it's got like a, a spear through its head or something, and you've got to put it down. So this, the screaming is going on while they're brawling. Brian and Brie get back in the car. They, they, I think Kane's on top of the car, and as they pull away, all of a sudden the car works, by the way. So much for that wire. So they pull away, Kane falls off the car, you hear a splat. They stop the car, camera pans back, there's Kane laying perfectly straight, prone, lifeless body on the ground. Brian gets out. This is just straight out of a horror movie from the 1980s, like one of the old Friday the 13th movies. Or take your pick, any slasher movie from the last 25 years, 30 years. Brian stops the car, gets out to check on Kane. All of a sudden, Kane does his zombie sit-up. Brian runs back to the car and quickly drives off, and we never hear from him again. So, yes, the WWE champion, who just disposed of this man the night before. He had no problem beating Kane the night before. Beat him with his move, one, two, three. All of a sudden, scared shitless. Scared shitless of this guy. His wife is in the car. His wife is safe. He got back in the car, ran away, and drove off. Pathetic. Pathetic. This whole thing made the Ken Anderson, Sam Shaw storyline at TNA look like Breaking Bad by comparison. Brian, Brian after that, should just be forced to, to vacate the title. And his man card. That's it. 
forfeit the title, have a tournament for it. Don't even put him in the tournament. He doesn't, he doesn't deserve to be in the tournament. I mean, how do you book a world champion to run away like that from his opponent? And I don't want to hear from people he was protecting his wife. He got in the car. He ran away. There's any number of things he could have done with his wife. He couldn't go to John Cena and say, listen, John, Nikki, please, can you just watch over Bree? Watch her. I've got to take care of this. Drive back to the hotel. Lock her in the hotel room. Come back to the building with a fucking lug wrench and go after Kane. No, he didn't do that. He ran away like a pussy. So I agree with Mick Foley on this one. The guy should have the balls to stand up and look at this and say, you know what? This is fucking terrible. I'm not doing this shit. Here's a better idea. Let's do this instead. I mean, you go back to the Attitude Era, there was a lot of goofy, over-the-top stuff there. I mean, The Undertaker tried to embalm Steve Austin on a show once. But did Steve Austin run away? Actually, I think he did run away in that, in that segment. But you know what? If The Undertaker was coming after you, trying to cut you open, okay, from, from chest down to crotch, okay, and gut you like a fish, you'd run away too. That's a bad example. Most champions back then, most champions now, John Cena, Superman, right? When was the last time John Cena ran away? from somebody as champion. When was the last time that that ever happened, that the babyface champion ran away? It doesn't happen that way. And there's a reason why it doesn't happen that way. There's a reason why it's usually the heel, who's the chicken shit heel, who's the one running away, because it's easy heat. Nobody likes somebody who runs away from their opponent. So it's baffling to me that, that they would book them. Maybe it shouldn't be. I mean, there's a lot of people who have, after WrestleMania said, okay, watch now, they're going to book him. Why are they going to book him as like a loser champion? I, I don't think they've done that so far. But this did not do him any favors on Monday night. And I hope this is not a sign of what's to come in the next three weeks before the next pay-per-view, that they're going to go down the horror movie route like they did with fucking John Cena and Zack Ryder. Zack Ryder being pulled down to hell. They already did that. He tried to pull Bree down to TNA. Okay, didn't work. But if this is what they have in mind week to week to week, this thing is, is just going to kill him. It's going to kill him. It's going to kill his whole run. And it's going to drive off at least some of the casual fans, like my friend I mentioned earlier, who are watching this going, who the hell is going to watch this bullshit? And they're just going to quit. People like you and me, it's like an addiction. We're, we're still going to watch this BS no matter what. But you're going to drive off a whole bunch of people if you keep doing stuff like this. <laughs> okay, JJ, what's your take on that? Well, I can't argue with it. I think he's absolutely right. Uh, I was just listening to Chris Jericho's podcast in which he had uh, Daniel Bryan on. It was just before uh, he had neck surgery. And one thing I thought was very interesting was, you know, Jericho was talking with Bryan. They, they mentioned all these specialists who come in and they, they take these tests and these surveys. And they, uh, Bryan said that, you know, he took this, uh, this questionnaire of, you know, ambition and drive and determination and, you know, your goals and your, you know, success and all, all that. And uh, Brian said he scored about a zero. He scored about a zero in this ambition test because he's a pretty accepting guy. He's a pretty laid-back guy. He's not one to ruffle feathers. You know, if you give him a task, he'll do it even if he has to, even if he's frustrated, if he doesn't want to do it, he'll do it because it's his job. And, Mick Foley was right. I mean, you, you're given this chance. You are the champion now. You are supposed to be the guy, and it's really your job to shoot down these ideas. And when creative comes to you, you take a guy like CM Punk, who is very vocal and very outspoken. Uh, you can see his Best in the World DVD documentary in which he said that he would get scripts from creative, read them, 
ball him up and throw it away. Eventually, he would write his own thing and get it approved by you know Vince or whoever was in charge of the the uh, you know the storyline of that night. But you have to do that in this case. Daniel Bryan has to take charge and he has to be you know brave enough to say no. You know he's been saying yes for so long. I think he's afraid to say no. But um, you know again this whole thing with Kane as they fully pointed out we've seen this with Zack Ryder. <sighs> Zack Ryder was feuding with Kane, and they had John Cena in the middle, and Eve Torres was, was turning heel, and she betrayed Zack Ryder. Zack Ryder got you know, chokeslammed off the stage. He was in a wheelchair. We we're supposed to feel sorry for him, and he was doing this sort of you know, bad acting where he was you know, broken down and all this thing. It was, just, it was just terrible. This was a guy who really rose up top, who was you know, obscure. He got the fans behind him with his YouTube story or his YouTube show, the Long Island ID, or whatever it was called, and fans were behind him. He became the United States champion. He had this sort of push. He was in the ring with the world champion Daniel Bryan at the time in 2011. He was in the ring with uh, CM Punk, who was the WWE champion. This guy was, you know, being made. He was becoming the next sort of sort of breakout star, and it all went nowhere real fast. And I hate to see if that happens to Daniel Bryan, who, again, He's in the storyline with Kane, and it's not that Kane's, you know, a, a bad wrestler. You know, you have this character that he's doing again where he's the demon, and, of course, they're reinforcing the fact that he's the, the demon, and they're trying to make you forget that he was corporate Kane for the last, you know, past few months, so they keep on reinforcing, they keep on saying, Demon Kane, Demon Kane, he's got his mask back, he's doing these bizarre things backstage where these mysterious things are happening. I think we all remember in WCW when Hulk Hogan was in the NWO and he saw the Ultimate Warrior in the mirror and he kind of disappeared and they were playing all these bizarre mind games and it turned out to be just a a horrible storyline and an even worse match. I feel like that's what we're getting now in the WWE. We're getting these kind of bad storylines and these terrible sort of segments and, you know, they want to mention, uh, you know, Bree's bad acting. Well, listen, yeah, the acting, not great. I'm not look, I'm not watching WWE for the acting. I don't expect Bree Bella to be Meryl Streep or Halle Berry or Sandra Bullock or, you know, an Oscar-winning actress. You know, she's in a situation where she has to do this on the fly. She's not, you know, a professionally trained actress. She's just doing her best. It's not great. But I don't, you know, condemn her for, you know, ruining the, the whole segment. It's creative's fault that they're forcing us to sit through this. And, you know, what are you know, Daniel Bryan and Bree supposed to do? They're just going with it and doing the best they can. It's, it's not very entertaining in, in my perspective. I, I don't enjoy it. But, again, I'm sitting through it because I love Daniel Bryan. I respect what he's done. He's a tremendous wrestler. So I'm putting up with this crap just because I'm a fan of the guy and I want to see the guy do well. And, of course, he had his match with Kane, but now he's not done with Kane. And, you know, he was a guy who he mentioned on Jericho's podcast that he was very lucky to be in the situation he was. When he won the world championship in 2011, he beat, uh, I don't know if it was Big Show or Mark Henry for the world title. I think he beat Big Show. Mark Henry was the world champion. Big Show won the title. But, uh, you know, Mark was hurt. or There was something going on with Mark Henry where Mark Henry was supposed to continue the program and be the world champion, but Mark got hurt. Daniel Bryan was the Money in the Bank winner. He was supposed to cash in Money in the Bank and lose. Daniel Bryan was supposed to be the first person to lose Money in the Bank, not John Cena, Daniel Bryan. But because Henry was hurt, they put the title on Bryan. They let him run with it. 
and then they even wanted to get Sheamus over. So they had that match at WrestleMania. They wanted to get Sheamus over, you know, as we pointed out, you know, many years ago at WrestleMania where the Ultimate Warrior beat Triple H in just a few seconds. They thought, oh, we're going to have Sheamus beat Daniel Bryan, and Sheamus will get over real great with the fans. People want him to be champion. Daniel Bryan's annoying with his yes thing, and it's not over, and he's a, a, you know, a fluke champion and all this stuff. And it turned out to be the complete opposite. The fans loved Bryan, and they were so pissed off that he got disrespected out of a lengthy WrestleMania title match that they just were going even harder and harder for that guy, and they were doing the yes movement. And it was just, you know, a nonstop from then to this point. And it was all because of just sort of luck. Daniel Bryan was very lucky. If it wasn't for Mark Henry's injury, if it wasn't for that, you know, WrestleMania squash, you know, he wouldn't be in the situation he is now with the fans by his side. And yet... You look at what happened, and he, he won the WWE World Championship. He main evented WrestleMania 30, two, you know, really great matches. And yet, he went on his honeymoon with Bree, so he's off television. We don't see him. Then his father passed away, unfortunately, and he's off television to, to bury his father. And now he has this neck injury, and he's off television again. And he's the WWE World Champion. Fans have been wanting to see him as the champion, and now... We're not seeing him as the champion. We're barely even seeing him on television. He went from the luckiest guy in the world to the unluckiest. And now he could be stripped of the title unless he's able to wrestle at payback or afterwards. I mean, again, we have to tune in to, I guess, Raw next week to see what happens. But uh, it's just a really bizarre circumstance. And, but, uh, you know, at the same time, Daniel Bryan does have to step up. He does have to shoot down these horrible ideas. And he can't be afraid to say no. Stop saying yes. For once, stop with saying yes and start saying no to these bad ideas. But, again, this could all be for nothing, and he could be stripped of the title, and then he'll have to take his time off to recover and then come back. And, you know, who knows what the the WWE title picture will be like then. Just say no. Okay, Dominic, what's your uh, take on the uh, situation with Daniel Yeah, I didn't like that whole acting or non-acting thing last week with Bree screaming like crazy and and all that hocus-pocus stuff with with Undertaker, with with Kane and Daniel Bryan backstage and all of that. It was was too hokey. It really was too hokey and too long and too played out. Mm -hmm. And Stephanie always getting involved. Oh, I'll bring your car here for you. Oh, by the way, you have a match. And then Daniel Bryan runs away instead of stay, in, in, instead of sticking around and calling right. out Kane and say, Kane, show yourself. I want you one-on-one, even if it's right here in a parking lot. And who, whose audio was that you were playing? They left out something. Uh, that's TV track. What'd they leave out? Oh, Okay. There was a part where Kane is actually running after the car and tried to jump on the hood of it. <laughs> and he hears smack like something hitting the pavement. Daniel Bryan stops the car to go out and check on Kane. Yeah. Now, uh, if you're running away uh, from a guy, you're not going to go back and see how he is. You're going to back the car up and try to kill him. <laughs> but he gets, he gets out of the car, looks at Kane... Kane sits up, and I said, now what's going to happen? Are they going to finally pull away, or is Kane going to drag him out of there? 
finally they pulled away, but it did make Daniel Bryan and kind of look like a chicken shit. Like, yeah, all right, I'm protecting my wife, but I'm scared too. Even though I'm the champion, I'm scared of Kane, which didn't know Aino going to look all that good on his resume. Yeah, no, especially that was, if that he's the world champion. Yeah, it's like WCW booking. Yeah. Huh. yeah. Notable. Uh, Blackjack, what's your, what's your take? The end result is that uh, they'll do the right thing and strip uh, Ryan of that uh, world title and um, have some kind of a tournament. That's where they have to give towards. This guy's injured, he's hurt, and they can only carry this thing but so far. He's not ready for this thing yet. No, he's not. He's not. Here I got a question for uh, Blackjack. I was reading your article in the Sunday Sun-Times uh, this past Sunday. It's an you know, awesome read, and it's so amazing to think that, you know, just a few months ago we had two world champions, the WWE champion and the world champion, and then the titles came together. Some fans complained. They thought, well, it takes away people's opportunity to have, you know, to be the champion if you only have one. And yet we're at this situation where we could potentially have no champion is there anyone on the roster who's deserving of the world, of the WWE World Championship? I mean, for the first time in a while, I can't picture anyone as the champion. Could you picture what Damian Sandow, who's been jobbing for months, Dolph Ziggler, who doesn't really have a lot of momentum, Sheamus, who's the United States champion, Barrett, who's the Intercontinental champion. Well, Maybe. believe it or not, I, I, I think they're going to they're gonna have no choice but to gear that title towards Bray Wyatt. But isn't it too soon? Yeah, yeah think... but they, uh, when, when the Shield came on the scene, uh, in less than uh, three months, they, once they came on the scene, I mean, they came in like in August, and, and they were hitting uh, towards uh, title... Uh, uh, Tag titles and intercontinental titles and what have you there. So at, at this point in time, uh, they're pushing uh, wrestlers a lot quicker without earning the, the chance to, to gain that recognition. They got like well, a uh, shorter uh, time span. It, it looks like if, if if they're over and with the uh, social media, everything is gearing towards not the of the old school but of the new school. It looks like. I think they'll give the belt to Cena because he hasn't had the belt in a long time. That, no, not that much is Cena. Give it to Cesaro. I agree. I I don't want it to happen, but I'm just I know how WWE books. Uh, I know I see it I'll, happening too, but I don't want to say it. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I'd rather exactly. It be Cesaro or try uh, try Sheamus. Cesaro. Cesaro is a very good choice. Yeah. Who's the most popular wrestler in that organization right of today? And uh, Cesaro really has what it takes. Uh, and, I don't think uh, like so an old yet. school throwback kind of guy. Yeah, yeah. And now especially with Heyman, and uh, he has he has skills, he has wrestling, he has the manager. Oh, then they're going to have to bring back Brock Lesnar. Yeah. Yeah, almost regularly. They, they get this uh, Cesaro guy, and they're going to put him over more than Brock? No. Well, the thing was, when Brock beat Undertaker, 
people thought maybe uh, Brock was going to stick around every pay-per-view. So now it's looking even more stupid that Brock Lesnar did it. And now we're hearing that... uh, uh, But you said every uh, week, Paul Paul E., um, not letting the fans forget that. There's a reason. Undertaker was going to lose, was going to win up until... Four hours before showtime, I've been told by uh, someone in the know. So uh, that's another story I heard. So I believe that more than anything. Because if you see The Undertaker, it's not the same Undertaker. uh, You know, I hate to say it, but he's he's pretty much finished. Uh, Last year, that match against Sting. He yeah, I know. With a, That's what they should yeah. have did. Exactly. And Sting uh, actually commented uh, uh, that he does want to wrestle The Undertaker. But who knows? Yeah. We'll see what happens. Maybe, uh, you know, we'll see your Undertaker gets... Uh, I don't know. I don't know. It's great. Uh, maybe it'll, it'll be a tag situation. Uh, okay, now Bret Hart was in WCW, and Goldberg was in the WWE. The quick question was posed, which of the two was the worst scenario? Let's take a listen, and we'll talk on the other side. Goldberg and Bret the Hitman Hart, which was worse? Let's take a listen. Try to take a listen at least. <laughs> well, uh, it's not coming on, but for now, uh, what do you mean, you... King? Worse in what kind of way? Okay, you remember when Brett the Hitman Hart was in WCW for that rain? What about it? Okay, which was worse, that or Goldberg? Um. They didn't know what to do with Brett. They knew what to do with Goldberg. They didn't know what to do with Brett? I don't think yeah, they knew what to that's do with the Brett. Answer. WCW didn't know what to do with Brett, and WWE didn't know what to do with Goldberg. So which of the two was worse? They're both equally bad. They both There you suck. go. That's what I say. <laughs> <laughs> You can flip a point uh, on that one. Yep. Okay. Uh, last week uh, we had Jim Powers, of course. Uh, Blackjack did find something with uh, Paul Roma. Let's take a listen to that. Uh, it's our RF video, Paul Roma shoot interview. Let's there's a way or there's a way. And we'll come back on the other side, and we'll uh, debate that. Okay. Mm-mm. Let's go back to, uh, okay, Paul Roma, shoot, Young Stallions, WWE, Questionable booking, the talk, or the shield. Just give me a second here. 
Oh, uh, JJ, by the way, did you get a chance to see, uh, uh, what is it called? Uh, main event. And if so, how was it? Well, main event uh, aired uh, tonight on the WWE Network. And, uh, of course, on the network tonight as well, you have, of course, the uh, WrestleMania Rewind, which they're going to be focused on the mega powers. You're going to see the sort of the story oh, really? leading up to Hulk Hogan versus Randy Savage at WrestleMania Five, so that should be really good. You know, last week on WrestleMania Rewind, they covered uh, WrestleMania Four, the tournament where Savage won the WWE Championship. So it's cool that this week we kind of continue with a Savage theme and you have these sort of mega powers. So that will be really cool to see the sort of behind the scenes and to hear, you know, Hogan and Vince and all the guys sort of talk and reminisce. Even superstars of today who were watching as fans, you know, talk about, you know, WrestleMania five when you had the two, you know, mega powers, the biggest stars in the WWE at the time, you know, clash for the championship. And, of course, Miss Elizabeth in the middle. Also tonight they're going to be focused on the new episode of WWE Countdown, which will focus on the top ten most memorable uh, WWE debuts. Uh, debuts. Uh, last week they had the greatest uh, ladder matches which was actually surprising because there were so many ladder matches in the past, I want to say, what, 14 years or so, and I kind of forgot oh, about yeah. most of them. Uh, you know, what would you think would be the number one ladder match in the WWE? Again, this is by the fans. The fans voted. It wasn't, you know, the WWE or anyone like that. It was just the fans' vote. A lot of fans would assume that it would be, you know, Shawn Michaels, Razor Ramon, WrestleMania 10, but that actually came up number two on the uh, greatest ladder matches. Number one, believe it or not, was WrestleMania 17 TLC2 between the Dudley Boys, the Hardy Boys, and Edge and Christian, in which I believe at the time you had the Hardys were with Lita, Edge and Christian had Rhino by their side, and the Dudleys, of course, had Spike Dudley. So you had interference, you had tables crashing, ladders. It was uh, definitely a very memorable match for the tag team titles but uh, there are also some great matches I kind of forgot between uh, The Undertaker and Jeff Hardy it was a really big moment that oh, yeah. it was on Monday Night Raw if you remember Monday Scott Night Raw Scott Hall and Shawn Michaels yeah, a lot Scott of yeah Scott Hall and Shawn Michaels was number two uh, the number one as I mentioned was that uh, TLC 2 with the Dudleys Hardys as in Christian also, they had Rey Mysterio versus Eddie Guerrero, which I don't know if you remember the, the stipulation for this particular ladder match, but it was for custody of Rey Mysterio's son, Dominic. They had this storyline going on where Eddie said that he was the father of Rey's son, Dominic. Oh, God, I remember that. Where Eddie says, I'm your puppy. I mean, it was just uh, unbelievable. We actually saw Vicky Guerrero for the first time. She wasn't, you know, working for the WWE, but she was involved in that storyline. But uh, lots of memorable matches. Uh, Rob Van Dam versus Eddie, where the fan ran into the ring and tried to uh, take, try to push Eddie off the ladder. Uh, there was also, of course, the 1998 ladder match between Triple H and The Rock. In which you have, you know, DX oh, and the then garden, right? Madison Garden. I was there. Yes. Yeah. Uh, another one was uh, 2008 Shawn Michaels, Chris Jericho for the world title. It was kind of uh, controversial at the time because Jericho actually punched 
Shawn Michaels' wife, and he didn't hold back. He legitimately punched Shawn's wife, which was kind of really uh, shocking at the time. But there's so many kind of great things you kind of see with this countdown stuff you maybe forget. So it's kind of cool. I'm looking forward to the top ten debuts tonight, uh, main event. They actually did a, a poll or an announcement yesterday on Raw, in which they always discuss the top ten shows on the network. Number one was main event. A lot of people are tuning in, you know, every Tuesday night to watch main event, which is exclusively on the network. I don't believe it's on Ion Television anymore. No, Number it's two, not. It's off. Yeah. Number two was Slam City, which is, you know, a cartoon for kids, which, you know, it's, you know, voice actors. Bruno from Miami, whose run with the company did you think was? Okay, here we go. Which was worse, Bret Hart in WCW or Goldberg in WWE? Let's take a listen. I'll talk on the other side. Bruno from Miami, whose run with the company did you think was more disappointing, Goldberg in WWE or Bret Hart in WCW? Oh, that's a good one. That is a good one. I, I want to say that they were equally bad, but if you force me to make a choice, I would say Bret Hart in WCW. I mean, think, think about their situations. Okay? When Bret Hart came over to WCW, there was nobody in wrestling who had more momentum than Bret Hart. He had just been a part of the most, one of the most famous matches in wrestling history, the biggest screw job of all time. He was the WWE champion who never lost the belt. He was the, the uncrowned, or, or maybe still crowned, whatever you want to refer to it as, WWE champion coming over to WCW. They had their champion, their real champion, coming over to their company. And this was at the peak when wrestling was hot, and it was only going to get hotter. During the peak of the Monday Night Wars, WCW was kicking ass. They had the bigger audience. They had all the momentum. And Bret came over, and the best thing they could come up with for Bret Hart in his first appearance, his first real appearance at a WCW show was for him to referee a match. And it wasn't even the main event. He refed an undercard match. I think it may have been Eric Bischoff's match with uh, Larry Zbysko, I think. That was it. That was, their big, that was their big idea for him on his first night on pay-per-view. And what made it worse was the finish of the Sting-Hogan match, which was completely botched up because Hogan pinned Sting fair and square... And then Bret Hart has to come out and sell it like, well, the referee fast counted. You're not going to screw him. I know all about screw jobs. And Bret Hart beats up an innocent referee. <laughs> now, after that, you know, he had some feuds. You know, he feuded with Sting. He had a feud with Flair. So he wrestled some of the top guys. And then eventually he won the WCW title. I think it was like a year later. He had a couple of runs with the belt. So it's not like they did nothing with him, but they they completely botched the opportunity to do some real big things with Bret Hart right from the very first time he came into that company. And then Bret ended up just another guy, just another guy in the NWO with Hogan. And then his career there ended, his career in general ended on an injury. Goldberg kicked him in the head. Bret didn't know it, kept wrestling. It got worse and worse, and he had to retire. So he went out with a whimper. Goldberg it's kind of similar. You know, he came over from another company, didn't have the kind of momentum that Brett had because Goldberg had been gone for a couple of years. But he came in. He was over, kind of. Although I remember he got booed in the match with The Rock at uh, Backlash. But they didn't do a good job of booking Goldberg the way that Goldberg should probably be booked. You know, they put the Gold Dust wig on him, which was just the beginning of the whole thing. And, um, 
the, the missed opportunity with him at the SummerSlam Elimination Chamber match when he should have gone over and he didn't. He went over the next month. By then it was, it was almost like it was too late. So like Bret Hart, he came over. He did win the world title. It's not like they didn't do anything with the guy. And then he also went out with a whimper. Even though he won. He won that match at WrestleMania 20 against Brock Lesnar, but that match will go down as one of the biggest letdowns. You talk about a big, like, dream-type match. One of the biggest letdowns in history was that Goldberg-Brock Lesnar match where the crowd just completely crapped all over them. And that was it for Goldberg. That was his last appearance in WWE. So like Bret Hart, maybe not to that degree, but like Bret Hart, he also kind of went out with a whimper. So that's why I say they're very similar in that way. Guys who were big stars in their, their home companies and their home turf who came over and weren't used properly and went out with a whimper instead of a bang. But I, I would still lean towards Bret Hart just because, you know, wrestling was so much hotter back then. They had the champion from the other company coming off one of the biggest, I can't even call it an angle. I mean, some people will still believe it's an angle because they're delusional. But coming off that whole Montreal screw job what they could have done with this guy right out of the gate, and they didn't do it. I have to go with Bret Hart. Between that and his career ending the way it did, uh, you got to go with Bret. All right, JJ, let's start with you. Who do you go with? Bret well, I mean, as, as they pointed out, uh, you know, both weren't as great as they could have been. And if you ask me, the worst was easily Bret. Bret had a, a bad run. Uh, you know, as he pointed out, he had such a – he was the most, you know, top guy in the WWE. He was the champion. He got screwed out of the title. He had a lot of momentum going into WCW. And, again, WCW doing what they do best, not knowing what to do with talent. And Brett was a talent, you know. He was one of the best wrestlers of that generation, of the 90s, of the new generation, with Shawn Michaels and Razor Ramon and these new guys stepping up to the plate. He was the best of that generation, and he's coming to WCW, again, a big thing with the WWE went down. You would think that, you know, they take advantage of that momentum, and they didn't. He did get to wrestle Sting and Macho Man and Flair and DDP and Booker and Terry Funk, and you would think they would be these extraordinary matches, these matches that we remember today, and we don't. They were matches that were just, you know, on Nitro. Maybe they had a pay-per-view. There wasn't a lot of depth to them. And it's just a real shame to me because you have, like I said, a guy as talented as Brett go there and to just go to waste. A lot of people say, well, Brett Hart wasn't into it because of the screw job, because Owen had died, and maybe his heart wasn't into it. And I can't judge that. Only Brett could say. But at the same time, WCW didn't know what to do with the guy. And as you always hear, the inmates were running the asylum. You have Brett in the NWO with Hogan. And, again, do you think Brett's going to be the star there? No, Hogan's going to be the star. Hogan, of course, is going to be the star of the NWO. And then Hogan sort of took off, and then they tried to do an NWO version two, but Brett was the leader, and they even had uh, Jeff Jarrett and a couple other new guys were, I think, in the crew, and they tried to you know, redo the NWO, NWO 2000. And it just went nowhere. Brett got hurt in his match with Goldberg and eventually he would have to end his career soon afterwards. You know, but he did win the WCW title twice. He was a multi-time United States champion, but you know, it wasn't that great of a run. Then you look at Bill Goldberg, who came to the WWE, a lot of you know, anticipation, you know, the hottest star of WCW when WCW was number one. You could attribute that to the popularity of the NWO and the popularity of Bill Goldberg. 
he was a huge star in WCW. He was, you know, one of the biggest draws. Everybody loved Goldberg. So for him to come to the WWE was huge. A lot of people were excited. And one of the first things they did was they took this, uh, which I thought they were doing really good at, at first, because his first, I think, big feud was Chris Jericho. Chris Jericho, who if a lot of people were fans of WCW, remember he had a lot of heat with Bill Goldberg, and you know Goldberg maybe keeping Jericho down or disrespecting him, and you know there's a whole issue between Jericho and Goldberg, and we finally would sort of see that play out on WWE, and the first big match I think was at Bad Blood, Jericho Goldberg, and they had this altercation backstage that a lot of people don't talk about, but. Again, it was very real, and I thought, okay, this is good for Goldberg. It gives him some steam. But then, as you mentioned, WWE doing what, again, they do is they take these guys who are these monsters, and they try to make them entertaining, and they try to do these silly little gimmicks, like with you know Daniel Bryan running away from Kane, and now you have, you have Goldberg and Goldust, and you have Goldust kind of having fun with Goldberg, and then that, you know, I don't, it's hard to take Goldberg seriously after that. And, you know, really, what else could you do with Goldberg? He was famous in WCW for his streak. You know, you talk about the Undertaker's undefeated streak. Goldberg had his own undefeated streak. He was always squashing guys and beating guys left and right, destroying them. And it was always very exciting. It was very believable. He would come out. He would jackhammer and spear guys and just destroy them. And they tried to do that in WWE. They tried to have him come out and destroy guys, but it just wasn't the same. We kind of seen that, done that. You know, as you pointed, they pointed out, you know, his match with The Rock. Rock, with the time, had gone Hollywood, and the fans hated Rock. They were cheering Rock. They would rather cheer Rock than Goldberg. It was kind of, you know, what just happened? Is this bizarre world? So he was just in a situation where the WWE didn't really know what to do with him. I mean, he won the title. He had a feud with maybe Scott Steiner and Triple H, and he was going up against Evolution. Evolution just came back recently. I mean, Goldberg was feuding with Triple H and Flair and you know, Randy Orton, a young Randy Orton, a young Batista, and, you know, in one of the first Elimination Chamber matches. And yet it just kind of, you know, fell flat. And then eventually, you know, he was pretty much done with the company at the same point that Brock Lesnar wanted out. He didn't want to wrestle anymore. He was sick of the traveling. He was sick of everything. And he wanted to try, you know, football. So then you have New York, which one of the greatest wrestling towns, you know, I, I have to say, Madison Square Garden. They saw these two guys who wanted out, and they said, well, screw you. You want out, we're going to crap all over you. And they did. And that was probably the only thing that was memorable in my eyes of WrestleMania 20. It wasn't their match. It was New York just being pissed off at Goldberg and Brock Lesnar. And it's a shame that you had this legendary superstar like Bill Goldberg, and that's basically your last memory of him. It's a shame. But at the same time, like I said, for a guy like Brett who had the momentum, who was as talented as he was, who could have had five-star matches and fuse and could have done a lot more in WCW, and he was kind of held back because there were other people kind of running things and making decisions. And, you know, what are you going to do? It was a bad situation for both guys, but for me personally, because I am a Bret Hart guy, I think Bret got worse on that end. Okay, good commentary. Dominic, what's your take? You know, I think something like that gets done deliberately because they figure Goldberg's a big star with WCW. We're not going to show WCW that he's still a star with us. We're going to do everything in our power to, to downgrade the guy. 
And the Probably. same thing for Brett going over there. Brett was always a WWE guy. Yeah. So when he yeah. goes to WCW, they're going to say, we're not going to make him as great as he was there. We're not going to show that he's that great as WWE made him out to be. We're going to make him like second best or third best. And I think, I think it was all done deliberately, and both guys got screwed. Yeah. As far as the gold dust wig on Goldberg, I don't even remember them doing that. I remember. It really did happen. I remember that slightly. Oh, my God. That must have been eight, nine years ago. Right, now, KJ? We were talking a minute ago about who would be the top guy to be a heavyweight champion right now. Yeah. Months ago, they were going to go with Ryback. And Ryback was picking up two, three, two people at a time, saying, feed me more and all of that. I saw Eric Young do that. I don't know if it was um, a TNA Impact show or if it was one of the previous uh, pre-taped pay-per-views. But he picked up two guys like that. Just like uh, Ryback was doing. And EY is like half the size of Ryback. And he (laughs) did it. He did it. I forgot who he did it to. It might have been... I think it was one of the bromans and Zima Ion. I think he put both of them up. Oh. And then he dropped them like like uh like Ryback would do with those guys. And wow. he did it EY did it with people we know. When Ryback was yeah. doing it at the beginning, it was like where the hell did they get these guys? Out of the seats? Yeah. But <laughs> Black he showed he could be strong and crazy and everything else, uh, uh Eric Young. Because people compare oh, him to Daniel Bryan a lot. That'd be a good match, by the way, uh, EY versus uh, Bryan. I'd yeah. love it. I think that'd be a fantastic match. Definitely. Better than Triple H against Batista. Oh, boy. Yeah. I saw Triple H. You know, remember one Raw, he came out and he announced his retirement? Yep. Whatever happened with that? <laughs> oh, well. <laughs> Anyway, Blackjack, your take. I mean, I agree with Dominic, and I agree with uh, JJ. I mean, uh, exactly. <laughs> There's nothing more, much more that I can really say about it. <laughs> Absolutely. Okay, last week uh, we had Jim Powers on, and he was talking about the RF shoot. Uh, Blackjack found... Um, the interview preview. So I'm going to play a little. Well, bit you of really it. need. I mean, if you can't get the uh, the whole main interview, there's always ways of finding this stuff on a computer. I mean, it's totally unbelievable what you can find on, on this uh, YouTube stuff and oh. and and whatever Twitter twat, whatever they they deal with on these uh, computers. You, you can always find. Whatever it's anyone is talking about, especially if they do these interviews, there's always a way of finding it, which you told me YouTube, about before, King. YouTube Kim, is so. going into 10 years. Uh, in a bit of a few months, it'll be 10 years already that YouTube has been around. Unbelievable. The stuff that you can find. Okay, let's take a listen to uh, Paul Rome. I didn't hear it. Uh, it's just a uh, little preview. Paul Roma. And I said to the guy that I went up there with, I said, who's that? And he looked at me and says, you're shitting me, right? And I said, 
no, dude. I said, who the fuck is that? He goes, that's Hulk Hogan. I'm like, okay, so what the fuck does that mean? Wait for Jimmy and, you know, but he goes, what are you talking about? Jimmy's been here for over an hour. And I'm like, what? He goes, and you're fine. So he was in the other trailer. So I leave mine. I go over there. He's like, hey, man, what's going on? I said, you fucking kidding me? What's going on? Dude, I just got fined, number one. And then, you know, I go through the whole... Coming to the ring drunk all the time. And I was pulling double duty because no one wanted to work with them. So I'm in there. If it's a 20-minute match, I'm in there, man. You know, and then tag him in. All the boys are sitting around, and Ray says, you know, geez, if my partner would go to the office and let Pat suck his dick, we could get out of here early. You know, he could put us on top, you know. And that was the big joke. All right. So I said, well, I guess we're going to be last every fucking night then. You know, because he came in complaining one night. And I said, you know, you need to shut the fuck up. Because I'm taking a big cut, man. I'm making this. Now I'm making this. It was actually uh, Barry Horowitz who came to me and said, dude, he go, they go, you know, I'm not working with you guys anymore. And I'm like, what are you talking about? You know, and he says, your partner, he just stinks of alcohol. He says, I'm putting my, my life in his hands. So I said, all right, fuck, dude. I'm like, I'll work the whole match, okay? We'll give him the comeback and call it a day. Met the dude. You got the same thoughts. I'm not going to come here and, and sugarcoat stuff because I'm worried about running into Joe Blow down the road. You know, I said what I said, you know, and it is what it is. is is Satan incognito, man. I mean, you know, he's the devil himself. You think you're going to preach to these guys that are, are fucking and drugging and, and, you know, I mean whatever else they're doing, you think you're going to change them because you're going to preach a few words of God to them? It's not going to happen, man. So, you know what? That's your excuse or that's your comeback. That's great. You're a great wrestler. At the end of the day, you still gave in to the devil. And it was all about the almighty dollar. Because if not, you went back and did it for free. Go preach to them for free. Ray's dead in the water. I'm dead in the water. Why don't you put us together and call us Power and Glory? So Marty comes walking by me, and I see him drop something. Or Sean, and Sean dropped something. And, you know, I did the same thing the guy did. I kind of reached down to help him out. Well, unbeknown to me, Marty was dropping a turd behind this guy that he just took in the, in the bathroom. Right. And the guy sat back, you know, his back on it. So he sat there for a bit, and, you know, he's like, you know, what's that What's that smell? And he stands up, and he's like, nobody shits on me. And he went back to clean it, and he saw Ray in the back, and he basically told Ray that, you know, he's going to, you know, kick his ass, shoot him, whatever. And I said, Sean, come over here, man. I said, you know, tell, please tell my son that I let you beat me. And he goes, no. And I said, what? He goes, no, I'm not telling your son that. I said, listen, my kid's all upset. You tell my son, and now my son couldn't hear this because right. I put him down and stood face to face with him. I said, you tell my son that I let you beat me because we're working again tomorrow. I'll make you fucking pay. You have a choice. He would hit somebody with his, whatever that thing is called. Wasn't real. I mean, you know, throw some punches, make it look like you're knocking someone's dick off. Um... Yeah, just soft. Everything was soft, you know. Maybe he knew some mechanics. Okay, great, I get it. And uh, I had a match with him in the garden, and he was in the back, and he said to me, uh, what do you want to do? So I said, I don't know, dude. What do you want to do? I mean, you're a veteran for the most part, you know. 
And he said, well, can you take an arm drag off the top rope? And I said, well, what do you mean? You're like, are you going to come over to me and arm drag me? Yes. He goes, no. He goes, what I want you to do is, like, people know you're going to drop kick and do shit like that and cross body. He goes, jump like you're going to give me a cross body and I'll jump up and I'll arm drag you. And I'm like, okay. I've never done it, but I'll give it a shot. In the garden, right? Nice place to fuck up. <laughs> so then I said, okay. He goes, so what do you want to do? So I said something, whatever. And uh, he goes, okay. So I do this for him, and it, it, it comes off without a hitch. And then all of a sudden, he's driving me back to his corner to make the tag. I'm like, well, dude, where's my spot? So, you know, he's not doing it. So I'm like, you know what? Fuck this. That's not how it works with me. So I snap suplexed him. And I heard, when I tell you I heard his spine go, oh, I straightened him out. You know, and uh, a buddy of mine was at the match. And he goes, yo, you fucked him up on that snap suplex. I said, fuck him. I give him a spot and he's supposed to give me one and he's going to tag out. Now, fuck you, man. That's not how it works. You need to show respect. All of a sudden he hits me, punches me in the face. So I stood there and I went, this motherfucker just punched me in the face. Other boys around or no? Oh, yeah, we're in the locker room. All right. You know? So, all of a sudden, I'm like, dude, I don't want to fight you. Because in my mind, I'm going to get fired like this. He's on top. I'm a fucking shit. I'm going to get fired. So, boom, boom, hits me with two more punches in the face. And I'm like, listen, I told you I don't want to fight. Now, if I punch you in your face three times and you stand there and tell me that, I'm going to shake your hand, tell you I'm sorry, and get the fuck away from you. Because obviously I can't hurt you, you know? But he's so fucked up on drugs, he ain't thinking that way. He's not using his brain. My boys came in one night, and Lanza told me to tell them to leave. And I said, yeah, you tell them to leave. Because they're your friends. I said, that's right. And they built the Rosemont. They own this place. I ain't telling them shit. You go tell them. No, that's okay. They can stay. <laughs> Fucking right, they can stay. And they walked me out to the rink. Who the fuck's going to tell them no? People waited for me to come in and piss in the bottles for them. You know, hey, Roma, thank God you're here. You know, we got a piss test. You know, I hope you got a piss. I'm like, yeah. So I just give everybody a little bit, just enough. Everybody hand in their piss and they pass. I think everything was okay until I started showing up at places where he was. You took his girls? Let's just say I, I, I took some of his shine away. You know, um, he had, you know, he had the woo. I didn't need to woo. You know what I mean? They wooed for me. You know, if you didn't take it in your ass, you know, yeah, you married the, the boss's daughter. I get that. Something's not right there. That, I think we could all agree with, okay? But at the end of the day, you're not a great fucking worker, okay? You're not the ultimate warrior jumping up on the ropes, you're, you're not Hulk fucking Hogan, okay? You'll never be as big as any of them or Savage, okay? You could write yourself into every WrestleMania, every year, every six months, you're in another thing. But at the end of the fucking day, you are who you are. Make sure he stays in a good position. Because right, right before that, I think, wasn't he fucking China? Okay, so you figure this one out. Okay? You figure it out because I can't figure it out. You know what? I don't give a fuck. Good for him. Have a happy fucking life. But at the end of the day, if you're talking down about me, that must mean I'm still a thorn in your ass.
So go fuck yourself. You kill your wife. I get it. You're pissed at her. She cheated on you. Whatever the case may be. I get it. But a little kid, there's nothing that little boy could have done or a little girl could have done to make you want to murder them. No, I didn't give a fuck. I was protecting me. I was protecting who I was. Um, that is probably the highest I've ever jumped off the top rope and dropped an elbow. I mean, I could have had a, I could have had a sandwich on the way down. Because huh. as I was coming down, I was like, God damn, you're fucking up here, dude. Okay, that was sort of like a mixed mess that we really didn't know. I did hear him talk about Triple H and Benoit towards the end, uh, but didn't hear him really talk about Powers Blackjack. In the beginning, in the first 30 seconds, he talks about Powers. If you know, uh, uh, if you can identify of, of what he's saying uh, compared to what uh, Powers had said last week, you can put the puzzles together. And what about the thing about sucking dick at Patterson? You know, they're going to be champions. Didn't somebody say that last week? It was. That's what um, Powers had uh, heard, I guess, him say, uh, you know, as far as what was said on this t- uh, uh, interview. And J.J., he had a lot of harsh words for uh, Triple H, seemed like, right? Yeah, you know, you know, Paul Roma definitely has uh, a lot to say, you know. He's uh, not uh, afraid to, to say anything. If he's going to harm somebody's feelings, he doesn't really care. He's just, you know, if someone talks bad about him, you just kind of go to that default where, you know, you don't really have a problem talking down about somebody else. He talked, of course, as you said, you know, Triple H's position, his relationship with China, and then with Stephanie and with the boss's daughter, and then how now he's, you know, at whatever – and you know, he talked to, again, it was kind of difficult. There was lots of things going on. Uh, it was a lot of back and forth. I remember him even talking about power and glory and Hercules, but a lot of stuff. Yeah, a lot of, uh, yeah it was kind of uh, just a lot uh, all rolled on into one interview. It was just uh, pretty wild. Yeah, and Dominic, uh, he uh, said about Benoit, you know, I can understand you're mad about your wife, I can understand that, but to kill an innocent kid, uh, that was the only part I agreed with him. Yeah, you what know, I was, I was losing track a little bit in there because he jumped from one topic to another, well, and he's talking about Triple H. That's uh, video in order to, uh, like teasers, you know? They mm. put all that stuff yeah. together. No, yeah, they mix- it was a mixed march to try to get, get you to buy it. Oh, and uh, it doesn't, you know, some of these guys that aren't top partners give you the best interview. Like last week, Jim Powers gave us everything. You yeah. know, I mean, you're not going to get Hulk Hogan here to admit certain things that That's went on behind you know what I mean? You're not going to get uh, Piper and uh, or John Cena to say any of the things. So, you know, I really like getting the uh, Prince Iakea, the uh, Scotty Rick of the world, and this honky-tonk man we had, uh, because they don't hold back. They don't hold back. They have no ego. And uh, they figure, what the hell? <laughs> 
Who cares? Okay, uh, back to Payback, J.J. Is this the first year that this pay-per-view is called Payback or second year? This will be the second annual Payback pay-per-view. Last year, the first ever Payback was actually right here in Chicago, and it is returning to Chicago for, like I said, the second annual Payback pay-per-view in Chicago yet again. We only have three confirmed matches, John Cena versus Bray Wyatt, Last Man Standing, Rob Van Dam versus Bad News Barrett for the Intercontinental Championship, Shield versus Evolution, No Holds Barred. You know, there are potential other matches which could be, you know, Sheamus and Cesaro for the United States title, possibly, you know, Paige and Alicia Fox, maybe the Usos taking on the other members of the Wyatt family, Harper and uh, Eric Rowan, unless they have, you know, Curtis Axel and Ryback have, you know, faced the Usos, and I'm not really sure what's going on in the tag division. I'm not even sure the WWE knows what's going on with the tag team division. But, uh, you know, we only have three confirmed matches. Hopefully more will be announced uh, in the next two weeks. But, you know, Chicago is going to be one of those crowds, which I'm sure a lot of people aren't going to like this, but there probably will be a lot of CM Punk chants. I heard that because uh, Raw was taped uh, beforehand yesterday in London, there were some people chanting CM Punk when Stephanie was out, but it was edited out of the show. So you didn't hear that. But in Chicago, it's going to be live, and a lot of fans, like I said, aren't going to be happy. They're upset at Punk because he walked out. But in Chicago, it's his hometown. They love the guy. They're going to be saying his name to probably piss off the authority. At the same time, a lot of you know other fans are upset because it takes away from the people who are there, who are wrestling and busting their butts. But, you know, the crowds today are more and more outspoken. They kind of run the show themselves now. So it's going to be an interesting show, to say the least. I think they're going to have uh, probably Rusev on there against somebody. And they're probably going to be doing Adam Rose, Adam Rose against Swagger. Yeah, probably uh, Big E and Rusev, maybe. Oh, that'll and, be a great, uh, be a great one. Bad News Brown? I mean, Bad News Barrett? Yes, yeah, so Wade Barrett is Bad News Barrett. He'll be taking on Rod Van Dam for the Intercontinental Championship. RVD won the Beat the Clock yesterday on Raw. Oh, okay. So that is that for the Intercontinental title? Yes. Uh, you see RVD getting it? No, unfortunately, I don't see Rob uh, getting the Intercontinental Championship. I think right now the fans are behind Wade Barrett. I think the WWE, most importantly, is behind Wade Barrett in this whole bad news Barrett. And I'm curious to see, uh, you know, the, the crowd, their response, because it seems that a lot of these smarter crowds, you know, the crowds that don't really do what everybody wants them to do, the mainstream crowds, they always tend to go with the heel. And RVD is a very beloved superstar. He's, you know, paid his dues. You know, fans remember his time in ECW and even in WWE where he was doing amazing things. He's still pretty amazing to watch uh, even now. But, uh, it's a, like I said, the crowds today are, are a lot different than they were before. And who's to say that they might actually boo Rob Van Dam? I mean, it, it could happen. It's very strange. Oh, the other night they were booing Sheamus. Yeah. Well, really, oh, my. 
Well, uh, Seamus, and uh, do you uh, think that Axel, Curtis Axel, Mr. Perfectson, will ever get a push, J.J.? Well, it's funny because he did get a push when they finally brought him into the roster as Curtis Axel. Once they ditched the Michael McGillicuddy that he was in the Nexus, you know, he came in as Curtis Axel, and he took on, guess who, Triple H. He took on Triple H. And he he beat him. There were two Monday Night Raws where he beat him consecutively. And Paul Heyman, you know, was addressing Curtis Axel as a Paul Heyman guy. He was promoting uh, Curtis Axel. He was promoting the fact, much like you know, he promotes the under that Brock Lesnar defeated the Undertaker's undefeated streak at WrestleMania. And Cesaro, you know, won the Andre the Giant Battle Royal. Paul Heyman was promoting that Cesaro had beat Triple H in two consecutive weeks, and that he beat, you know, a world champion. So Axel had that push. I mean, he won the Intercontinental Championship on Father's Day, you know, you know, in honor of his father, Mr. Perfect. So, I mean, this guy had everything going for him, and I don't know where it went wrong. And eventually it got to the point that he was just going downhill so fast, they had to get Paul Heyman away from him. They couldn't wait to take Paul Heyman and uh, to just take uh, Curtis Axel and Ryback and to get him far away from Paul Heyman as they possibly could. And it was just uh, very strange. I don't know what went wrong. I mean, he's a, a good wrestler. I mean, he can get it done in the ring. His character, you know, that's the only thing I think is his problem is his character. He comes out and he says, I'm better than perfect. Well, you've got to prove it. And those are big words to say, better than Mr. Perfect. Yeah, I don't like that either, J.J. I don't like that at all. They even got a T-shirt that says that. He's not better yeah. than his father. He's got a long way to go. Yeah. No, so, I mean, does. his father did so much in the business. Father, he, he, Kurt Henning deserved the title of Mr. Perfect. The guy yep. was always awesome in that ring, put on five-star matches, didn't care who he worked with. They were always great matches. I mean, Curtis Axel has the potential to put on those great matches. But, again, his character, that, again, like uh, Dominic said, it, I don't like that better than perfect. It rubs me the wrong way. He doesn't live up to it. He needs something new. Like when Randy Orton was coming up, he was the legend killer. He didn't say that, you know, he was necessarily better than his father or his grandfather, but he was, you know, brought up a different way, and that character worked for him. And eventually, how many legends can he really, you know, kill off? So eventually they adapted that and evolved that into the Viper or the Apex Predator. And they never really adapted Curtis Axel as anything more than better than perfect, which he really isn't. So now you have them with Ryback, and they're by themselves. They're a tag team. They, they lose, they win, they lose their entire matches, and nobody really cares. So I'm afraid that unless something really big happens where if they give him one more opportunity – I think this is pretty much where Curtis Axel is going to stay, much like Kofi Kingston. He's just going to be a mid-card to bottom-card guy who, you know, I don't really know if his uh, best days are behind him. And it's sad to say for a guy who's so young, who has so much potential, to say that his best days are behind him, that's just really sad to say. Kofi had that big feud at one point with Randy Orton. He was kicking his shit out of Randy Orton on every Monday Night Raw. Yeah. I don't know what the heck happened then. He even beat Randy Orton a, a week ago, or not a week ago, a few months ago, when Orton was the WWE World Champion. Kofi beat him clean in the ring, and it resulted in nothing. That's right. That? That's right. 
I thought he was going to get another build-up. I did absolutely nothing with it. Yep. But that better than perfect thing, uh, I don't think uh, that's his idea. That's no, it's not. It's probably not. I mean, if you saw the perfect DVD, uh, he loved his father. He oh, yeah. loved his father more than life. Yeah. Uh, Joe Henning, I think his name is. Yeah. And uh, I wish they would just call him Mr. Perfect Jr. or Joe or Joe Henning. Yeah, they should have called him Joe Henning to begin with. I, I don't know where they got Michael McGillicuddy from. Uh, that, name that, that, that was Lucille Ball's maiden name. This is McGillicuddy. <laughs> oh. Yeah. Oh, my God. names that they could own, so. Yeah, that's true. I love uh, Lucy, right. Yep. Unbelievable set of circumstances. Uh, JJ, uh, anything new on TNA? Well, you know, we're, as, uh, we talked a little bit about TNA last week, and we mentioned uh, that they have, of course, Slammiversary coming up. It is their 12-year anniversary. We talked about how we're going to have MVP versus the TNA champion, mm-hmm. Eric Young, and I believe last mm-hmm. week. Didn't they form a group this week, uh, MVP, Lashley, and somebody else formed the fraction? Yeah, yeah. Which I, that's what uh, that we're getting into. The, the, yeah, Kenny King, the king of the night. Yeah, the king of the night, Kenny King, which I should mention, if you watch WWE Legends House, they had the Legends take part in some sort of a male stripper, Chippendales, and believe it or not, Kenny King was a part of the Chippendale uh, you know, team, and he was actually coaching the Legends how to strip on WWE Legends House. So that was actually the, probably the first time you saw a TNA wrestler on WWE television, an active uh, TNA wrestler. So that was something not a lot of people talked about. They missed it. But believe it or not, Kenny King is actually a Chippendales dancer or stripper, whatever you want to call it. Yeah, he really but, is. And the reason he was on Legends House, they filmed that when Kenny before, way before Kenny King even signed with TNA. Yes, that was probably in 2011 or 12. Yep. I didn't even think I had the Chippendales anymore. <laughs> I, would I don't know, know what happened to my so application. That, they, they must have lost it. I signed so up to that, do that, that shit. That deal that they went to, uh, that's old? That's old footage uh, that they're showing on the uh, network? Yeah. No, the footage was, is new. It's just that they taped it, Yeah. I don't know, a couple of years ago, I guess. That, that showed two signed. years ago. Yeah. Well, so, uh, I don't know. Was he? Uh, two years ago. Oh, okay. Pat Patterson was not there, that's for sure. No, he was. No, oh, he was there. Mm-hmm. He was at Chippendales? Yep. I don't know if he was at Chippendales, but he's on Legends House. He was a yeah, part of that. Yeah, that's what I mean. Yeah, no, I know, I know he's in Chipp- I know he's in Legends House, which is a good show. Uh but, uh, and another thing, JJ, on the WWE, they show uh, the Jim Ross and, uh, you know, Legends, at, where they have, like, a round table. Uh, yeah. What do you think of that program? You know, I enjoy it. The cool thing about the, that program, uh, that sort of Legends of Wrestling on the WWE Network, is you have sort of, uh, like you said, that round table where a bunch of legends, you know, Jim Ross, I believe, is the host, and he, he might be talking to you know, Ric Flair or Mick Foley or Shawn Michaels 
or Sergeant Slaughter. They're just discussing topics like, you know, the greatest giants, like uh, they discuss the greatest villains. You know, they just, it's pretty cool to hear their stories. And a lot of these guys who worked with these people and have these, you know, great stories behind the scenes as well, it's just sort of legitimize what's going on and not just be, you know, fan responses. These are guys who were there and worked and stuff. So, I mean, it's a pretty interesting show to watch if you've never seen it. It's just uh, great to see these guys, you know, being used, and they have so many amazing stories that, I mean, you wouldn't even believe. I mean, there's only so much they can say on, on the WWE Network that I'm sure, you know, they haven't watched what they say. But at the same time, as a fan, it's pretty cool to listen. And, you know, I've enjoyed the shows that I've seen. The, the most recent one they did was, of course, honoring The Ultimate Warrior, in which they had a round table, which I think Ted DiBiase and Slaughter and uh, somebody else and so it was a, a lot of fun. Yeah. So I mean, uh, it's it's pretty cool. I know I, it's definitely a show I enjoy. I hope they do more of them. Well, again, as uh, Blackjack pointed out, a lot of these shows were taped two years ago when the WWE first made the announcement of the WWE Network. And then eventually, you know, things kind of didn't go well. They wanted it to be a premium cable channel. It didn't work out. So they slowly kind of stopped talking about the W Network. And yet they were still filming these shows because they wanted to have, you know, you know, something to air on the network when it did launch. So Legends House, which was taped, you know, two years ago, but we're seeing it now for the first time. And these uh, legend roundtables. when they were going to have it on the uh, television, right? Originally, it was supposed to be on the actual WWE television. Uh, uh, original plan, it wasn't supposed to be on a computer, right? right. No, it wasn't supposed to be on the computer, yes. Uh, it was supposed to be a channel, a cable network, and yet, you know, things just, for whatever reason, they fell through. They couldn't get, you know, the licenses or the copyrights or something just didn't pan out. And eventually they decided to, you know, look towards digital distribution with, you know, again, these websites like Hulu and Netflix and these online streaming contents and on-demand content seem to be the way of the future. So they decided to go online. Okay, we got one final clip with uh, Marty Gennetti. Let's take a listen and then we'll wrap it up after this. Man, I was hungry as hell. I was promised a, uh, I don't know if they're up north here, y'all, Crystal Burgers. I think they're White Castles up here. No White Castles. Yeah. Uh, I was promised, and I was hungry. I was promised a Crystal Burger if I would do a certain thing to a certain person. So that, so there, y'all don't know if it was a guy or a girl. You know what I'm saying? I actually, it crossed, at five years old, it crossed my mind. I was that hungry. It was like, what? how do I do it? When I was younger, I didn't realize that as a kid, you just know your mom's mean. She beats us up. When you were 12? Yeah, I was 12. Yeah. Was it a family member, though, right? I guess is that considered family? Your, your Yeah. Don't tell nobody. When you were 12? Don't tell nobody. These shoes, the way the shoe. See, look at look how that's, see, can y'all tell? I call my brother, you know, because he's the closest person to me. Call Gino who's been through it all with me, and I knew I was saying like a goodbye. I didn't know for sure. I wasn't going to, you know, not boom or anything like that. But it just, 
I've had enough. I've done enough. Mm -hmm. it, it's enough. If you're going to send people to rehab for recreational use, why aren't you going to take care of people who are walking around gimped all up and having to take stuff? What do they say? And her answer was valid point. She goes, problem is, you know, hesitate, it was, if we do that for you, then we're going to have to do it for everybody. One of the things that we also hear about with the rockers and the women were the, the, the gimmicks in the, the ladies' rooms. Oh, the, the house We've had a lot of people pass through here that mentioned that. What was it back then? Well, back to house yards, yeah. House yards, a lot of mine came from, and I knew it when he had drank it, just walked behind him through the clubs, because they flood to whoever I'm talking about. But as soon as he opens his mouth, they go, ah. Oh. Oh, and I'm like, no, come here, that. you misunderstood. So the scooper, you know, it was a scooper. Like, cat shit thing, scooper. But what about that was the problem? Healed? Yeah. Was it well, the voice? It's a bit of a no, froggy no, kind of odd um, voice. Or was no, it what it he was saying? Overconfident, maybe. Oh, too, too cocky. Yeah, that, that, yeah, I didn't want to say that, but yeah. You see, Sean had always told me this. And, and Sean, you know, I'm only telling the truth, and I'm not going to say what I could say. To this day, I don't know that I wouldn't have popped between Sean and him. All right, no, we'll leave that out. You think? Just to get rid of you? No, not to get rid of me, but to put Sean on his own. And again, you get mad if you want, Sean, but you know this is true. And we'll back that up in a second. This is about to be a long one. Is everybody okay? Everybody raise their hand. As long as we get to the station, we'll take the ride. But we got to get to the station. Uh, that's it. I'm out. <laughs> uh, What's it like living with Marty Jeanette? I'm yeah. sitting here where I'm going to play. i got to put this aside for a minute. There's two. There's two. Are you quiet in the movies? Well, it's, it's, it's according if you're talking to MJ, and, and y'all can vouch for this, I'm sure. If you're talking to MJ or Marty. Two separate people. MJ, which I call myself, uh, he seems to be the guy with a couple of beers loosens up and don't give a damn. But I don't think it's ridiculous, right? I mean, one of those who like the fun cut up, but let somebody cross the line. Whereas when Marty's around, I'm Marty just lets people run over him. I'm exhausted. You must be exhausted. From hearing all this, you're, I, I, I live it every you're day. You're an exhausting individual. Oh, thanks, man. You always go and hear this. Live like there's no tomorrow. But there is. Marty Gennetti totally blasted there. Uh, JJ, uh, what's your thoughts? Well, my first uh, thought is I hope that's an old interview, and I hope it's not a recent interview because, as you said, you know, Marty just, uh, damn, I feel kind of bad for him if that's what he's going through now. Like I said, I hope that's uh, an interview from a long time ago, and I hope he's a lot better off now. But uh it's just uh, unfortunately a lot of people they don't they see wrestling they see the glitz and glamour but there's a lot of you know dark sides to it uh, there's a lot of things happening backstage you know uh, how long ago was the interview King that was from October of last year oh, man. Uh, 2013 wow I mean uh, it seems like he's on the you know, breaking kayfabe with Marty Jannetty. Well, you Some know, the business guys, they like to get whacked before they get uh, on the uh, interview <laughs> to relax themselves. But then they sound like that. Doesn't sound so good. 
No, it uh, it doesn't. Unfortunately, you know, Marty just kind of comes off like he's just, he really did come off like he's out of it. I mean, whether or not he was just trying to relax or not, I mean, when you've been through as many stuff as him, it's hard to just relax at that point, you know. I think uh, it's just uh, it's it's kind of sad to see that because when I think of Marty Jannetty, I of course think of you know in the late '80s when he was with Sean and the Rockers and they were so exciting, so much fun, had so much energy. Even a few years ago when he came back to the WWE, I don't know if it was about 2007 or six or whatever, he came back. Yeah. He was even partnered up with Sean again. They go, oh my God, this guy looks great. He looks like the the Marty Jannetty of old. And I thought, wow, he's he's really got it. He's going to have a great second run, and, you know, he had some, you know, legal issues at the time, so unfortunately he couldn't stick around. But uh, it's just, you know, it's just sad. There's a side of wrestling that a lot of people don't see and don't know, and, you know, things happen, and a lot of guys try to recover. We Like you said, we had Jim Powers on, you know, last week, and, you know, the wrestling took a toll on his body. He has injuries. It's hard to walk. He needs surgeries. There's a lot of things that fans don't uh, don't realize, don't see. You know, they just see what's on television, and that's it. They go on with their own lives. But these guys, you know, they, there's a whole lot going on behind the scenes that, you know, you don't know about, don't see, and, you know, it's uh, pretty sad. This is why I wouldn't want to see this Daniel Bryan uh, uh, come back as quick as, as as they would really like him to. You know, that's why, this is why I, I really don't see him coming back. Because um, he's going through these kind of injuries, uh, like the wrestlers did in the past. You know, history is like repeating itself with certain things. Oh, but the man don't care about that. We learned yeah. that. From yeah, but these Oak. guys, are, he just got married, and he got a family to look uh, towards uh, down the line. Yeah, I agree with you. I agree with you, but Vince McMahon don't give a shit. He wants to see his wrestlers work. He don't care if they're, they're dying. Uh, I don't agree with that. It all depends. I mean, it's the, it's the wrestler's choice. At a Kurt Angle's <laughs> mouth, he said, Come give me a day off just to recover. That's why I left the WWE. Who said uh, that? That's eight years ago already. About and, who? Uh, Kurt Angle. Eight years ago when he left to the WWE, uh, TNA. Uh, you know, even if he's coming back now, big deal. All yeah, but he's still matches. seeming to follow well, with TNA. He got no Vince McMahon telling him what to do in TNA, and he's wrestling. He probably really he don't even really need to be wrestling anymore. He wrestles part time. They're very limited, and uh, I think Dominic has said that the matches that he had with Samoa Joe when he first came in was super. Oh yeah. How about you, JJ? You remember that? Well, I remember when Kurt first came in, it was a big deal. Joe, who was, you know, the hottest guy at the time, he had his own sort of undefeated streak, and, you know, he was, you know, the big bad guy in TNA, fans saying, you know, Joe's going to kill you, and here comes Kurt Angle out of the WWE. It was just a, a dream match at the time. But, again, that was, you know, as you pointed out, eight years ago. A lot's changed in the WWE in the past eight years with this wellness uh, policy and these physicals and guys who aren't being allowed to wrestle because they can't pass the physical. So who knows if Kurt Angle comes to WWE in a year or so, if he even passes a physical. Uh, that's a very good point. And uh, like I said, he had so many good matches in TNA. Uh, yeah. 
I think they released one DVD, uh, and he is in their Hall of Fame. Uh, overall, in the last five years or so, uh, Kurt Angle uh, overall has been their best uh, wrestler from A to Z. Well, of course, we don't. Show shows nothing. Well, this is why McMahon even had these the wellness programs. He's got the the, the uh, where the wrestlers, if they need um, help with substance abuse, uh, Kurt Angle was a part of that a couple of years back. You remember that, King? A couple of years back, eight years ago. It's already almost a decade that he's not been in the WWE. Nah, even when he was even still part of the TNA, uh, he was enlisted in, in the programs with the uh, WWE. That's probably stuff that people don't really know about. What are you talking about? I don't understand. Uh, I can't say on, on that then. Uh, Kurt Angle is uh, pretty much done. I mean, he has a few good matches left. Uh, uh, but... You know, I definitely think he'll be in the Hall of Fame when it's all said and done. That, that's a plus for Kurt Angle. He proved everything he uh, needed to prove. He was a world champion. He was WCW champion. He was the ECW champion. The not, not the real ones, of course, but uh, he had great matches in the WWE with Park Lesnar. Um, he main evented WrestleMania. The man's, uh, man's uh, should be top of the list, uh, Hall of Fame, in the WWE when his time is ready. Hmm. And uh, wow. I'll you see that. I don't see him getting back into the ranks. Cause he has, and I spoke to his manager, he had a, a very bad neck and uh, limited action at best for Kurt Angle. They said by the but, time he heals, his TNA contract is up. He probably no. won't be back in TNA. Maybe no. he'll show up in WWE for a brief time, but I think he's almost ready to retire. Been yeah. there, yeah, done maybe that. Yeah, be a he manager of some sort. Yeah. Because, uh, you know, he wrestled everybody there is to wrestle already in TNA. From yeah, he did. Joe, he wrestled Christian, Booker T. He when Holy he was Holy Ray. Holy Ray. Kenny Anderson, right? Yeah. Right. Yeah. Kenny Anderson still is in TNA, right? Yeah. Hmm. Interesting. Okay. And Jeff Hardy, they have. And they're not $350 million as a whole, right? <laughs> that's interesting. That Vince McMahon is $350. That's a big story. People don't yeah. realize how big that is. Where do you, like, where do you dig that up at? Is that on the uh, cable? That was announced it. They announced that Vince lost, you know, nearly a third of his fortune. I mean, 300, uh, King said, 350 million. He went from being a billionaire million. to being a billionaire. I mean, it's just unbelievable. That's a lot of money. It's not 300 million. It's not 3,000 million. It, it, I mean, it's $350 million. That is a lot of effort money, even for a, a millionaire. So, uh... What about that Sterling guy? He's got more money than that, don't he? 
that racist guy oh, they claim is Donald racist? Trump. Yes, he can buy that. But he's uh, eight, 81 years old, the guy who's racist. That's unbelievable, that kind of money. $300 million you're talking about. What the hell? One million used to be a lot. Now a couple of hundred million? Well, I don't know. I hope uh It's like all the money this. in the world. <laughs> Never been in this situation, Vince McMahon. No. And uh, any updates, JJ, on the Jeff Jarrett promotion? Well, Jeff Jarrett is going to be launching his Global Force Wrestling. Uh, there's still a lot to, to discuss, and even who's going to be on it, and whether or not they do, you know, an, an IPTV, an internet pay per view. You know, whether or not he can, you know, get uh, his financial backing, which. Again, his name, uh, I forget, but that one country singer who's just loaded. Uh, Toby Keith. If, yeah, if they can get you know some sort of TV deal, I mean, they definitely need they need talent, first of all. But, uh, I mean, they also need to be seen. And whether or not, like I said, they do Internet pay-per-views or they get some sort of something done locally, they need to be seen or else, you know, he's just going to fade away. I mean, he, it seems like Jeff Jarrett really wants his promotion to be sort of, you know, what he did with TNA and be the next TNA and hope that it launches into something bigger. But uh, it's hard to say, you know. He was a part of TNA. He was the owner, the founder, and all that stuff, and then he sort of bailed ship, and then he wanted to start from scratch again. So, I mean, I don't know uh, what to expect with his Global Force Wrestling. Uh, they hadn't really announced too, too much. There's still a lot of stuff uh, being planned and in the works. I heard he's on a talent hunt. Yeah. And he supposedly wants to bring it to the Country Music Channel, the, the CMT Network. Oh, uh, yeah. Really? Yep. Well, well right now it's in such a low stage that he's just still looking for people to work for him. You know yeah. who the uh, who who uh, who uh, what the major uh, wrestler who he wants to bring on board? Who's that? B. AJ Styles. CM Punk. Oh my God! Wow. Speaking of AJ Styles, uh, he just wrestled for the Ring of Honor, and I saw a post by I think it was Animal, and he and he looked. Awesome animal set. So, he's been all uh, over AJ. He's been in Japan. He's been in foreign countries, and mm-hmm. he did. He did do Ring of Honor. Yes. I, I don't know why Vince McMahon don't bring him in. McMahon didn't want him because at one point he was too small. He thought. Yeah. He's already an established star. McMahon ain't gonna yeah. do right by him. And plus, he has small guys. Vince yeah. McMahon. Well, His champion is small, you know, yeah. compared to Brock Lesnar, of course. Right, but he's 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 not a McMahon guy. He's 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 already been around. Everybody knows him as who he is. And wasn't yeah, McMahon going to change his name and make him part of a circus show? <laughs> right. There won't be any pure wrestling no. uh, if AJ came. But you could definitely have a lot of good matches if AJ came. Uh, one comes to mind, AJ versus Bryant. Uh, McMahon would change his name right away because he's already got AJ Lee. That's, that's true. right. All he's got to do is bring back AJ Petruzzi from the 70s, and you got the three AJs. 
Sounds like huh. a soul band. Instead of the OJs, you got the AJs. <laughs> oh, my God. Speaking of the OJs, it is uh, almost the 20th anniversary when he shot down and killed the Goldmans. Unbelievable. 20 years flies by so quick. Also, Nirvana took his life 20 years ago. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. Well, that does it for this week. Uh, Dominic Valente of 212-629-1900. Thanks for joining us. Uh, pleasure to be here with you guys. You know that. Every week is great. Yes. Double J, our wrestling insider. Thank you so much. Hey, man. All right, guys. Always a pleasure. Dominic King, Blackjack. Always look forward to your articles in the Sunday uh, Sun-Times in Chicago, man. Great stuff. We're just still being run down, down that way. And uh, I'll see you guys hopefully next week, Brother Dominic and Sounds JJ good, guys. And Kane. Okay. We'll leave you. Thank you, Blackjack. We'll leave you with Kane. Thanks, everybody. We'll talk to you next week. <laughs>